here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome back to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast. I am Joe Lanza, the king of banter, internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, the most compelling voice in wrestling media. He is rich. and he- <laughs> Jeez, I get nothing. I get nothing well, you, at all. You have no titles. I mean, I just get he is rich. I just get my name. That's, listen, I mean, listen if, if you want to give yourself a... No, I don't think I do, though. All of my, listen, all of my titles were given to me by, by listeners and mm-hmm. by fans. And right. and if someone wants to feed my ego with the title, I'm going to run with it. I mean, that's all there is to it. Where, where did King of Banter come from? I thought you started that one. No, that was sent to me by a listener. I they oh. they they referred to me as the King of Banter, and <laughs> and quite frankly, I can't disagree with them. Uh, but I, listen, you, here's the thing though about Rich that a lot of people don't know. Okay, this guy's sassy behind the scenes. Let me tell you, mm. he he he's a real crack up behind. He's he's. He's hot stuff behind the scenes. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Okay. But here's the problem. If Rich brought that dynamic to the show, we'd be in real big trouble because then you'd have like two jerks that everybody hates. And not only that, you wouldn't have Rich to keep me under control because he'd be out of control too. You can't have two people completely out of control. You see what I'm saying? So Rich likes to play the good cop. But behind the scenes, let me tell you something. This guy, this guy is sassy. And don't and don't let him think you don't let you know don't, don't let him fool you. Rich is very sassy behind the scenes. That's all I have to say about that. Would be a lot like the uh, I'm looking at the Rolling Stone list of the uh, podcasts that you have to listen to wrestling podcasts, and everybody keeps sending us this Don Tony and Kevin Castle show. Do you have any idea who these guys are? It's funny you bring that up because the reason I wanted to do the show open today is because we've got a very angry Rich this afternoon. You're angry about a lot of things. It's true. Okay. You're angry about uh, Hikaru Sato's terrible haircut. <laughs> it's bad. It's we'll get to it, but it's bad. It's a bad haircut. I can't rip you because the man has an awful haircut. He's got one of the worst haircuts in wrestling. Like you, you worry about the fact that he doesn't wear shoes. And he wears kick pads without shoes mm-hmm. or boots or whatever, which I agree is is, is awful. But then, yeah, his hair it, it compounds it even to another level. And I don't like his ring ring work. So it's just the it's just a really bad mix of everything. He really could use him. a whole new look. I mean, from top to bottom, the man needs to be stripped down and rebuilt back up. There's no question. But you're also very angry. I feel irrationally so 
about this Rolling Stone list that came out. You want to tell the people about this Rolling Stone yeah, list? Yeah, well, no, I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily, like, I I haven't really said much it's, of our piece. Uh, and, like, I don't care. It's, I, I, it I, is I, grinding your gears. And, and Oh, no, well, I, I'm well in my understanding that, that, like, we wouldn't be on this list. You know what I mean? Like, I to me, that's not that big of a deal that we're not on this list. Like, I, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be awesome. It'd be good because we are, you know, the best wrestling show on, you know, I like to think we do a pretty good job here. But so Rolling Stone had a list that came out. I forgot what the exact number was. It was some listicle of like, these are the 16 or 17, you know, must listen to wrestling podcast or whatever. And then it was just like the most generic list of like, you know, the Ric Flair show, the Jim Ross show, the Steve Austin show, you know, some of the MLW stuff, which is, is solid stuff. So I don't really mind about those. Those are pretty good. And some of the wrestler ones are okay as well. But like the Steve Austin show sucks. Like that thing is awful now. Um, the Ric Flair, I could take or leave that one. Um, the Ross Report, I, I'm kind of in between on that one as well. But what was funny is, though, they go through this list and they're all like these, you know, Cheap Heat was on there as well. You know, an ESPN co-opted one. So all these like big time ones. And then, like, you get, like, two, like, I, it, obviously, they, they got to a point in the piece where maybe they had 15 and said, ah, we better put some random one up there. And they put the fucking, who the hell is Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle? They put, of all the ones, like, you don't put Wrestling Observer Radio. You don't put Live Audio Wrestling, who I really enjoy their stuff. You don't put, uh, I mean, there's countless others. There's, there's. If it's not us, what the, what the Place to Be Nation guys do, uh, PWO, Between the Sheets, those sort of guys, like, that one should maybe on there, Exile on Bad Street, that's an awesome one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those, I, and I understand that those probably wouldn't make this, like, Rolling Stone list or whatever, but really, like, who the hell are Don Tony and Kevin Castle? Like, what? what? You are fired up about Don Tony and Kevin Castle. <laughs> <laughs> who are Don Tony and Kevin Castle? Listen, I don't know who the hell these guys are. I, I have known nothing of their show. I gotta, I gotta, um, I gotta look at these numbers here. Based uh, <laughs> based on their logo, I, you know, I <laughs> look. But here's the thing: it, it's it, it's a, it's the rule. Oh god! Oh god! Sorry, sorry. They autoplay. <laughs> Hold on. Let's let's. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. What in the world is this? Are you are you listening to this? This is a terrible open. <laughs> Streaming twenty four seven. Oh my god! Oh, well, that's how they get the listeners. They stream twenty four seven. So that'll that'll do it. That's an idea we've kicked around. We have. By the way, if you have like eighty thousand dollars, you want to blow, we will definitely do twenty four hour shows. So. All right, we got the Warriors open, so that's always a good, you know, always good to reference the the Warriors. All right, are we, are, all right, Tony, let's go. Are we breaking FCC regulations in in some manner here? I, I don't know. I'm turning it off. I, okay, yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any podcast laws, is there? Um, uh, no, it's kind of a wild west right now. But I wonder that'll be interesting to see if it does actually ever. Well, we get we gave it a shot, but the show didn't start. Now, to be fair, we have an we have an obscenely long open ourselves. But see, our open is cool. has been cut off though. I I I've sliced it recently. I don't know if people are upset or not, but I sliced it. What'd you cut off? I, I cut off all the little clips before all the other you know this world you know world title wins kind of go that that sort of stuff. I took that off because like the problem comes where when we record the show. I end up having to cut like seven minutes. When we're done, I have to just find a random selection of like eight minutes to cut because we're always like a little bit over that three hour mark. And a lot of that, I, 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 I forget. I look at my little timer that I have here and I go, oh, three hours. Cool. Or, you know, two, uh, 2.58. Cool. We got in right under three hours. Perfect. And I throw that thing down and it's like 3.08. And I'm like, what the hell? And it's that open. The open goes too long. So I, I sliced it. 
You know, there's probably a good seven or eight minutes in every show where I go on some sort of offensive rant that saves us. Yeah, to be fair, it's not hard to find stuff to get rid of in our (laughs) bloated, uh, rambly show. Uh, But, you know, it's it's annoying. I just want to drop that thing on there. I just want to say, hey, we did it. We nailed it. You know, we we, uh, you tweeted out a picture earlier of us. We go we go back to back and we kind of fold our arms when we're done. We go. That was a good one. I just want to place that on the, the damn timeline. Hit save and ready to go. I don't want to be editing this Listen, stuff. Especially because it's like 1230 at night and I got to get to work in like six hours. So We're Billy Ken Kid in Subasa. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. You know, with the, with the rye smirk and the masks on. You know, I tell you, that tweet didn't get nearly enough attention. That was a quality tweet. It was a quality I tweet, I can't yeah. believe it bombed because I thought that was a quality tweet. But it def- you, had, you had a few quality tweets this week that it bombed. It bombed. Uh, what was your other one? Your, uh, your, your manager tweet. What was, uh, what was the specifics on that one? That one was an awesome tweet and it just never – uh yeah yeah what was another one that bombed i think it had something to do with ryback and pat buck right no yeah but who was the slimy manager that you said that pat buck should be which i'm blanking on his name now which slimy manager did i he was like a slimy 70s guy i think he was a stereotypical kind of jewish uh a manager he was like very jewish character like he it was it was bad i forgot what his it was good good promos though Ah, oh, what the hell? But now you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Come on. Yeah, now you're making me no, seem no, like... No, no, no. I do. I can't remember which sleazy manager I chose. Oh, man. Like, two people liked the tweet, and then nobody else cared about it. But it did, it, 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 it did. That bombed as well. I've had a lot of tweets that bombed this week. Uh, there's no question about it. What manager did I pick? To compare, because it was a comparison. Eddie, 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 Eddie Kretschmann. It was Eddie Kretschmann, right? Yeah, yeah. Eddie Kretschmann. Eddie so, Kretschmann, yeah. so I think the, the, the tweet was something along the lines of, you know, I, I, you know, Pat Buck, who is obviously Ryback's handler right now. I mean, they're doing a podcast together now, too, uh, which, by the way, people should probably listen to because here's, a, here's the dirty little secret about Pat Buck. He's been doing a podcast for years. If you guys like the AIW podcast, which we love, we think that podcast is great. It just tears the lid off of things. They give you the inside stories. And here's the best thing. It's like 40 minutes. You know what I mean? It's like- it's great. It's a nice, easy, compact thing. Yeah, I listen to my way to work uh, every – like I think they release it on Mondays. And it's part, it, it, it it just goes the entire time of my work and it's over and it's done. And I walk in the door and I go, okay, cool. That was – but yeah, it's a nice, compact 40 minutes, which is, is beautiful. But Pat Buck's been doing a similar show for years. Uh, you know, I, I know you listen to his show a few times, and it's, it's very simple. <laughs> Mostly when they talk about us. <laughs> Mostly when they're yeah, talking about us. Yeah, but I mean, he's not afraid to say anything either. And, 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 and you know, um, you know but, but I'm sure the show with Ryback will have that similar sort of tone. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's I, like I picture him going around the country now with Ryback since he's, he's handling his bookings, he's doing a podcast with him. He's basically Ryback's handler. You know what I mean? So I picture him as like this Eddie Creechman type, you know, uh, guy leading right back to the ring, you know? But that tweet bombed too. I'm bombing all over the place, Rich. I don't know what's going on. I thought that was gold. That was one of those tweets where I was sitting, I, I was refreshing the mentions. I was like, here we go. Any minute now, they're going to be rolling in. We're going to be pinning this bad boy. Rich, I got nothing. I mean, I got, I got literally nothing. Not even like a Zellner. You didn't even get a Zellner like. You got nothing. I thought that'd be a lock. I thought it was, <laughs> you got none of the guys. None of the old school wrestlers. I mean, your Bix would like. No, yeah, no Bix, no, no Zellner, none of those guys at all. I thought, I yeah, believe it. As a, you know, who? Chad Campbell, little Chad Campbell in there. Yeah. You didn't get that either. References Eddie Creature. That's a great reference. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a Twitter Twitter search and I will let you know how many people actually do uh, rent, uh, mention Eddie Creechman. Let's type that in there and see how many people have ever mentioned Eddie Creechman on Twitter. Um, not many. We got yours August 29th, and we have to go all the all the way back to May 3rd with a man whose Twitter name is the Grand Wizard. I do not believe it is the actual Grand Wizard, uh, but he said Eddie Creechman was awesome heat magnet. And then you got to go back uh, two years. 
um, to somebody arguing about a list of wrestling managers, and someone says, legitimately dying at Eddie Creechman, a walking Jewish stereotype making the list. Eddie Creechman so. was a great manager. Yes, Montreal, right? Is mostly where he predominantly. did predominantly, and then some stuff in Detroit with the Sheik, stuff like that. He actually feuded with the Grand Wizard briefly as like two heel managers that were feuding, which was rare. You know what I mean? But he, yeah, he was it just he, the guy. You know, he, it, you watch some of the promos. I mean, I, yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, you know, he needs money, Rich. He needs the money. <laughs> Pay through the nose. <laughs> like I love the pay through the nose. <laughs> you could, you know, obviously you couldn't get away with this, you know, you know now. But I mean, and he was Jewish. You know what I mean? Right. So he had a Star like, of David necklace as well. Like you, you should absolutely just check it out because his promo is great. And the one promo that I watched, and I think it's probably the one that most people will will pop up when they immediately just type in Eddie Creechman. I think it was the first YouTube video. It's one of those ones that makes you appreciate old school wrestling promos because he mentions what date that damn show is going to be like seven times. When it's over, I'm like, you know what? If I'm not doing anything on, you know, May 11th, May 3rd, it was whatever, May 11th. You know? I remember yeah. and I watched it. Right. If I'm not doing anything May 11th, I'm going to that show. I'm going to Montreal to the like Montreal Grand Center or wherever the hell he says. Like he says the venue and the date like 37 times. And by the time it's done, you're like, God damn it, I'm going to that show. Like I don't like I'm calling I'm calling the box office. I'm seeing they got tickets left. I'm playing like he's got you. Like you, it, it happened. It's a 30 year old promo, 40 year old promo. And even then, I'm like, damn it. Like, yeah, I kind of want to see this show now. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, he, and he's such a dick, too. Like, you just you want to see his guy get beat. He's a, just a tremendous manager to this Creechman. Man, that's how I picture Pat Buck leading right back to the ring, you know, like a modern day Eddie Creechman. You know, because he also managed like these beast like wrestlers most of the time. Yeah, Kamala, he did for a point, right? Kamala, Abdul the Butcher, uh, Hercules, Ayala, you know, guys like that who couldn't talk at all or whose gimmicks were that they didn't talk. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, and, and obviously he was a great talker, so it was a perfect fit for that sort of thing. And he actually had a son who did a, like sort of a hybrid between the Eddie Creechman gimmick and sort of like a modern day Paul Heyman gimmick. Uh, and, and, and who most predominantly, I think people would know him from Memphis more than anywhere else, but I think he died young. I think the son died like when he was in his 30s or 40s. But it just he didn't really look like his father, but the same voice and the same mannerisms, and 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 I can't remember what he called himself. Leslie Leslie Floyd Creechman the third, I believe, was his name. Ooh, that nice. was the son, and and he did the he did the gimmick in Memphis and feuded with Lawler for a little while. So you know they they, they sort of redid, and you could see a lot of you know Paul Heyman in that lineage, and 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 right, it, it's it, you know an excellent manager at Creechman, but uh, the, absolutely, but the the this. This Rolling Stone list, which we got thrown off track already. Uh, listen, obviously, a show like this is never is not going to be on a list like that. I mean, give me a break. It's the, the big name wrestling. You know, the, your your Jim Rosses, your Stone Cold Steve Austin, your Chris Jericho's, your Cole Cabanas. They're going to be on there, okay? But they do they don't do the show that we do, Rich. They do a completely different show than we do. Those guys do interviews, uh, and, and you know they don't cover. Uh, wrestling top to bottom the way we do. Okay, there's there's not a lot of shows out there that are going to be able to tackle WWE the way that we do, and then do Wrestle One like we're going to do in about an hour from now, or Big Japan or DDT. And that kind of fan is going to listen to our show. That kind of fan is not listening to Don Vito and the Geek or whatever you played before. What are they called? <laughs> I already forgot. I closed it. Kevin Castle and Don somebody. Don Vito and Don somebody has a, a big stogie in his mouth as well, and has like a fedora on. So you know that's a that's a, that's a blade and chair shot show 
which we, yes, we used to make yes. fun of in the early days. You know, and we really should have done. We probably would have made a lot more money if we did the blade and chair shot, but that's all right. You know, that's a blade and chair shot show where you know the hosts have gimmicks and you know they give you an hour worth of really bad WWE talk, and you know that's what I'm assuming they are because there's a million shows like that. I have never listened to these guys. Maybe they're brilliant. I don't fucking know. But you know, it's it's Rolling Stone. They're speaking to a different audience than we're speaking to. It's all wrestling fans, but we're speaking to a different kind of wrestling fan. So I, that's why the list didn't bother me at all. I, oh, I, no. Yeah, and it, honestly, it didn't bother me that we weren't on there, but there were a lot of like top like, – like I would consider somewhat mainstream podcasts that weren't on there that I think are absolutely must-listens for people. Like if you really want a different – because like how many of those wrestler podcasts can you really listen to? Especially when a lot of times and, – and you get that from Joe Gagne's weekly column on our website, the, the podcast, is that you're like, you'll have – you know. Eric Bischoff will be on four of those shows in one week, and it's like, oh god! Like, do I really want to hear Eric Bischoff talk about you know Ted Turner giving him you know a slot on Monday night? Like, how many times do you need to hear that same story from the same people? And that's why, like, I would have liked a little bit of like you know live audio wrestling. I think they do a great job with you know Review Away, which is a show where they look at you know classic shows and and kind of review them, or even like you know a Wrestling Observer Radio, a PW Torch, like the ones like those that are big that at least have something different or do a different sort of. I take on that because I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'd recommend people, and I get, yeah, again, this is for super casual fans, but I don't really know if I'd recommend 11 wrestler podcasts where, like, the same guy is on seven of those every single week. You know what I mean? Like, and Steve Austin shows is the joke now. He talks to his gardener half the time. So it's like, you know, it's really, you're really not getting much from it's, that. But, you know, I get it. True, I absolutely. But I mean, it's someone who's reading Rolling Stones wrestling column. Exactly. Right. is going to put on our show and hear us talking about DDT Peter Pan. They're going to turn it off in 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, yes. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. But, I, you know, what, what I think we, we try – what I take a lot of pride in is when people email us or, or Twitter us or whatever and tweet us or whatever and, 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 uh, you know, and, and, and they say to us, I have no interest in blank, whether it's New Japan or WWE a lot of times they say or whatever. But when you guys talk about it, it holds my attention. That's the mm-hmm. biggest compliment to me Absolutely. that we ever yeah, get. That means, that means you've really, because I'm a firm believer of that as well, that I think content is, key. like you do need to have great content and I, I do believe we have that, but when you get to the level where regardless of your content, people just want to listen to you because they like your personalities, they like hearing you talk, they like how you conduct a show, that's when you've really achieved it because that's how it really is. Like, like when you're talking big time radio and big time stuff like that, that's what you aim for is that the people can listen and if you're talking about, if it's a sports show and you're talking about soccer and then, you know, or baseball, whatever and people are still listening even though they only watch football or something like that that's when you've really gotten it when you've been able to do that and yeah i hear from people all the time there's somebody you know sean sloan is a guy who's listened to us for years now you know i'm going to the aw show with him tomorrow which we'll talk about here in a little bit but he's told me multiple times hey i don't even and he's told us i don't watch new japan like i don't care you know i watch it on the access you know i'll watch it a year later a year out or whatever i don't watch it in the moment but i listen to every single one of your guys shows and that to me is something it's like wow that you know that's really awesome like that guy a couple weeks ago I, i don't remember who it was but it was someone who said and he never watches WWE, but he never fast forwards when we talk about WWE. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing you're talking about. And you're right. And, and that's and, and as long as you know, you're right. You just it's always been a goal here to try to be compelling no matter what we're talking about. But you know, it, it, look, I, I that the list didn't bother me at all. That's a totally different kind of audience that probably is never going to try us anyway. We just got to keep building on the type of audience that we're shooting for. And, and I, I don't worry about that other stuff. We're doing all right, Rich. We are doing all right. We look all right. You know what I'm saying? You know, and the problem is, you know, now we're competing for sponsorships and those things 
with a lot of the shows that are on the, that were on that list. Which, mm-hmm. which, but see, that tells me that we don't need to be on these goofy lists because we're obviously in the same. You know, uh, you know, we're right there with these guys. And and to me, you know, we just got to keep doing what we're doing and staying in our lane. And uh, you know, where else you can stay right in your lane, Rich? Oh, that was that was nice. I was wondering if you were going to do that. I was like, "That's it, Joe. Do it. Go for it." You're talking sponsors, and you had the lane. Go. You go the floor is yours, sir. You nailed it. You can stay in your lane with Lyft, and I know, Rich, that you have a lot of experience with Lyft. Uh, so why don't you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Lyft, uh, we we mentioned this a few times on the show as well, but uh, you know they're a sponsor of the show, um, and they're running a great ad right now where you can you know. You can drive for Lyft. Like it's a super simple thing. You sign up. You you get the app. What you do is you sign up at lyft.com/bonus. That's L Y F T. In case you don't know, L Y F T.com/bonus. You'll select our show, Voice of Wrestling. You sign up. You download the app. And then you start driving, and you get a five hundred dollars bonus just for driving. Make up to thirty five dollars an hour. Drive on your own time. Do whatever you want. I've taken it a bunch of times now. Um, over the last few weeks, and it, it's been incredible. Like, A, it's great just to get around to the city. Like, last Saturday, uh, the nurse and I just went to downtown Chicago and just kind of, like, we just got lifted all over the place. Like, we just said, hey, go here. You know, you know, whatever. We didn't care. We were just trying to go places. And in that city, it's super important because it's just a, a pain in the ass to get around anywhere, especially on a Saturday night. And one of the things that I've always been remark- you, you know, remarked, in, in, and I've talked to the drivers because, you know, Lyft t- said, hey, go out there. You know, we're sponsoring you guys. But when you do these rides, ask the drivers. You know, get to know the drivers a little bit. And every time I've gotten in the car, I've talked to these people and sort of gotten an idea of what they do with their lives and you know why they drive for Lyft and all that sort of stuff. And one thing that I always get from them, and it, it's been pretty incredible, and I've talked about it on the show a few times, that every single person that I've talked to has another job or does something else, or is it, they're not just like they're not just lowly low lives that are just sitting there, you know, grimy. Dry. No, they're like they're they're people that I talked to. One guy was a home health nurse. I talked to another person who you know ran an insurance company and does it on the side. I talked to somebody who was going to school and just kind of does it to get extra money. And that's that's the cool thing about it is it can work in your life. There's no commitment. You don't have to do anything. You sign up and you say, hey, I want to drive. I got nothing going on tonight. I want to make some extra money. You open up that Lyft app. You go and you're ready. To, you're ready to make money and you just need your car and you're ready to go so uh it's been awesome to just kind of get the ride with the people and talk to people and everybody seems to really enjoy what they're doing as well and i've asked you know between this and uber which do you prefer everybody prefers lyft because you can get your money right away uh uber uber you have to wait a little bit to to cash out lyft you you can say tonight i want to go out i'm done doing this podcast with you joe i go on to lyft I drive for an hour and I say, you know, I need this. I need this 40 bucks right now. I just hit it and it's in my account. And that's you can't beat that. You can't do that with Uber. You can only do that with Lyft where you can one click and, and uh, withdraw all your money. But uh, Lyft.com slash bonus to sign up. That's L-Y-F-T dot com slash bonus. Select our show Voices of Wrestling. You sign up and you get a $500 bonus just for signing up and just for driving through Lyft with our promo code. So not, not cool. a scam either. They'll give you 500 bucks. No, it's legit. Yeah. If you start driving for them. Uh, Rich has to do the Lyft read because... Um, they were uh, very nice to us and gave us some free ride credits some weeks ago. And I and it worked out perfectly because my car happened to be in the shop at that time. So I was like, great, I can get around. I could use the lift. But unfortunately, Rich, I live in the sticks and lift was not available in my area. So uh, you got all the free rides and therefore you're stuck doing the reads. <laughs> I'm the expert, but it, it's been great. No, I've really enjoyed it. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm real gracious that they gave us that extra credit because I've just been doing it all the time. And, and really the good part has just been to talk to the drivers. And that's like, it seemed kind of weird at first. I was like, oh, these people aren't going to want to talk to me. And like, I, I've been shocked by the Every time I, I just say, oh, hey, how do you like driving a lift? I get this like 20 minute conversation with this person. And it's always a good conversation too. You know, I'm sure you've been in your fair share of like cabs and those conversations are awful most times, right? Do you ever have cab conversations? I know you're weird, like outside of 
places. You don't like like random conversations with people, right? What do you think? I'm antisocial, Rich. No, I, well, no, I, I know you've mentioned that sometimes you get a little weird about like. There are times where I don't. Are you like a haircut chatter, or are you like just cut my hair and let's get out of here? Normally, I'm not, but I I so want to bang the girl that cuts my hair, and I've been flirting oh. with her for like two years. So <laughs> how's that going? I, well, I, I I still want to bang her, so it's not going okay, very, right. so it's not going very good, obviously, because it hasn't. I haven't gotten the. Job. Are you are you gaining at all though? Um, I I, I are you chipping away? I feel the... like I am, but here's the thing: like, um, I I sort of started pulling away with the flirty stuff for a while, and then I think she noticed, so she started getting flirty with me, and then at one point she she all but pretty much asked me to hang out, like after the haircut. And I blew her off because my pride got in the way. And I was like, wait a minute. I've been chasing you for like a year. Oh, give it up. And I and getting and I've been getting You're wrong. And, and, you're you're dumb. And then you know, so it's like I'm a man with some pride. Okay. So well, you, give it up. I, you really shouldn't have I, any more pride. No, I stuck it right back to her, you know. So then I I, <laughs> I, I fucking no sold her. And now uh, you know, now we just have there's like very little flirting now, and now we just have very friendly conversations. Uh, well, we, we do, commu- we do communicate. We do communicate uh, via text every now and then, but we're just friends. Rich, listen, I can maintain a friendship with a female, right? <laughs> no more than two minutes ago, you said I still want to bang her. Well, I, yeah, right? I, I mean, yeah, I do, but but, okay. here, but I'm not actively attempting to bang her okay. anymore. Okay. But 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 because man, it's like what the hell? Like I I put myself out there for like a year. Okay, I don't like to play that game, Rich. It's like if I'm into you and you're into me, haven't we? I feel like we've talked about this, but it's like we have. Yes, if I'm into you but, and you're into me, I, 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 look, I understand it's a dance. past the age of seventeen. Let's not do this anymore. Yeah. Let's just let's just cut to the chase and get going here. Like. I'm not someone who like in, is into like the thrill of like a long hunt. I just want to get down to business. If I'm into you and you're into me, no more. And we both recognize that. And you know, a little bit of flirting's okay and a little fun. But now it's like, come on, man. We're adults here. Can we move it along? Can I go throw a burger down your throat and then take you home? I mean, what are we doing here? Can we move it along? Yeah, it's like – so I was kind of insulted that you know I put myself out there for a year and made myself look like an idiot a million times. And now you know all of a sudden because she wasn't getting the attention anymore, she decided to turn it back up a notch. I'm not here just to give you attention while you're cutting my hair. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I was personally uh, put off by that. So I, you know, maybe I blew it. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'll never know, but that's how it played out uh, with Ashley, who cuts my hair every two weeks. That's a good. That's a good go. hairstylist name. Listen, Ashley, Ashley, but, uh, Ashley's usually a pretty hot name. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can yeah. usually count on an Ashley uh, being no less than like a six. You know what I mean? Ashley's a good name. It's usually- I'm trying to go through my my Rolodex of Ashleys in my life, and they're pretty much all yeah. I'd say at least six plus every single one of them. Ashley's a good name. Yeah. That's actually a really and good name. And it's not like uh, a stripper name either. You know, it's like it's not like. It teeters. It gets close, but it's not quite there, exactly. which is good. It walks that line. <laughs> right. Well, so when you throw a uh, – we'll get to topics here in a second. We actually have quite a bit to talk about. But uh, when you when you say you throw a burger down their throat, is this a classy burger or do you like take them to like – uh, what's the local like Texas that's just, burger just That's fired up Jersey guy talk for going on a date. That's all. You know. Oh, you throw a burger it. down their throat. You know. I wasn't sure if you literally did that. Like if you, if you 
take like I was hoping you take him to a, a little bit of a classier place, but I, you know, I usually you, you got to feel it out. You gotta, Although it can be a classy burger, I'm not saying that a hamburger can't be classy. You got to see. It you know, depends on the kind of you know. It's up to her. I mean, some some women prefer a, an easy casual date at like a, mm-hmm. a a shitty like fast casual sort of restaurant. Some women want to be wined and dined. It all depends. You got to feel them out and decide. Some some just want a casual. You remember? I'm sure you remember the story. Ironically enough, this girl's name was Ashley too. Remember the 2 a.m. taco stand date? Yes, yeah. I do remember that, right? From like a whole other life of ours. Remember that? Uh, that that whole crazy story where I think her name was Ashley, but I don't quite even remember anymore. So she just wanted to go get tacos at like two in the morning, you know. But that's a story for another show. I mean, that's just a lands unfiltered. That's a lands unfiltered. That's probably <laughs> that is a definitely a lands unfiltered story. show. So. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, so I don't know. It's something with these Ashleys, maybe it's you know. That's a thing. That's that's your your dream. I think I think you and this this hairdresser Ashley are meant to be. There's, I really do. You know what? It is, and we're both just very. If it hangs around that long, you know, we're both very prideful, and uh, you know, she re- she all but rejected me for a year, and then I no sold her. So now I think we're both kind of just like playing it off, like no one wants to make a move now. You know what I mean? I'll tell you right, what, but this will be the thing where like she'll be like I don't know how old she is now, but she'll be like thirty three or something like that, and and it'll be like then like you'll you'll really reconvene at that point. You know what I mean? Like. She's going to go through and do some stuff, but then it's going to be, you know, you're going to still be there. I'm going to be... text her right now, and I'll let you know if she texts by the end of the show. Okay, please do. Yeah. What should I, well, I'll, uh... I'll let you say it. What should I say? Oh, boy. It's just, um, just a cold well, text. What was the last discussion you and Ashley had? Well, I, like, well, I, here's like, the thing. I have her – see, that's the thing, too. Like, she gave me her number one time, and I was like, oh, what are you doing? What is this for, Ashley? And she's like, well, this way uh, you can just text me, and I'll let you know when I'm working so you can come in for the haircut. Oh, that's but see, a, that was just no, that's she, not that. No, go to she, yeah, she obviously wanted me to have her number, which was fine. Exactly. So now, like, I'll text her to see when she's working and then we'll banter, you know, we'll banter and it'll be playful. I guess we do still flirt technically. But okay. so the last thing, let me see. When's the, when's the last fresh haircut you've had? Because maybe you can parlay that into a haircut. OK, the last text was about three weeks ago and she said, yes, I'm working nine to three. OK, and did you get that haircut? On yeah, that? I did. Yeah. I'm okay. actually a little late because it's been three weeks. Okay, so yeah, maybe give her like a, you know, you know, what, but he goes, you're working this weekend nice or hey, Labor Day weekend or uh, just making sure you're working this weekend. I got to look fresh for later. You know, something like, hey, are you working this weekend? That's it. Are you working this weekend? Uh, right. I'll, I'll tell her I'm rocking an afro over here. I need my haircut. I'm late. I'm a week late. Are you working this weekend? All right. Perfect. We'll see what happens. Right. And then oh, and well, it, this will be a long storyline. And I'll <laughs> allow you to give me the return lines for all of her. Okay. All right. All of wow. her texts. I'm putting your fate in my hands, Rich. Rich, yeah. it's your job to hook us up here. You got to show okay. me your moves and your game because obviously my game hasn't worked because this little dance has been going on for like two years now. Well, I'm very good at getting in the friend zone so that uh, you, you've already done my game for the most part. But uh, <laughs> see if I can change it up with this one. But I got a little bit more risk here because it's not, you know, my pride on the line. So it'll be a little bit easier. All right. To do all right, but anyway, let's get to the topics here again, uh, real quick because I guess that was our extended lift. But lift.com Wait, this slash is bonus. still the lift read? No, I don't think so. I'm just putting it in here a little bit here. Uh, lift.com slash bonus, lyft.com slash bonus. Select our show voice of wrestling sign up there. Okay, we we're done with the read. No, we were too, but I'm just throwing it in there. You know, when you, t- when you give them the timestamp, don't include the Ashley story. Uh, no, no, they're gonna not. No, they won't get all that, right. but. I, that's what I was like. One of the people has to actually listen to this. Can you imagine? Like, I, I know. Tourette. <laughs> like, Why did it? Because sometimes they'll be like, hey, do you, can you get a timestamp? And they'll send it to me at like 9 a.m. And I don't get a time to do it. And then at like 10, they're like, all right, I found it. And I'm like, ooh, just next time, just let me tell you. Like, don't listen. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, I found it at like 3504. I'm like, oh, man. Like, 
you listen to 35 minutes of the show and like like i imagine like no I, we do a very good show for the wrestling fan but imagine like somewhat random person just jumping in on this show i can you i, I can't even fathom it's it. like, mystifying to me as well <laughs> like somebody that doesn't know a thing about wrestling it just and then continuing be, to do business with us that's yeah it's just unbelievable shocking. but we appreciate them for doing that but uh, anyway got a lot to talk about we are going to i don't know joe maybe bounce around japan a little bit later um i want to talk a little bit about AEW show i'm attending this week and a little bit about kind of indie wrestling because we haven't really done a whole lot of indie wrestling lately because it's been so WWE intensive and there's been so much news and so much things going on that we haven't really had a chance to talk about you know other japan stuff uh outside of new japan we haven't had a lot of chance to talk about indie wrestling so we're gonna do a little <laughs> bit of that uh, but I, I thought I was on mute. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, no, you're, you're okay. First off, are you okay? No, I'm fine. Can, can I, you continue? I'm, go, I'm okay. going to go on mute now and get a drink of water because I think I'm choking here. All right, hold on. Okay, all right. So I will uh, I will open our beginning then or get to our, our, our first topic here, which was Kevin Owens' title win. Of course, the news that we have, we, we kind of went on to the show and we said, hey, we're not going to, you, you know, Joe and I talked earlier in the week and said, okay, we're, we're going to try to do as little WWE as possible, maybe get a little bit in there about who won the title or whatever. And then this Kevin Owens thing happened. This Ke- this main event angle on Raw, which for people that didn't see, I think everybody just about that's listening to this probably has seen, but in case you have not, essentially it was the four-way match. Uh, it was an elimination match on the main event of Raw to determine the new Universal Champions and Balor had to give it up. It was Kevin Owens, Big Cass, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. Uh, Big Cass first one eliminated, so my article was wrong. Darn. Um, <laughs> that, that he might have been a good option to win. But uh, so it was down to Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. Emerging from the crowd, not seen since WrestleMania was Triple H, and he pedigrees Roman Reigns and screws him over yet again. And everybody assumes, okay, he's helping Seth Rollins win the championship again. He gets into the ring, you know, the crowd's booing because they think Seth Rollins is going to get, you know, the championship handed to him again. And then Triple H pedigrees Seth Rollins and instructs Kevin Owens, who's sitting in the corner, shocked and, and stunned. He motions to him to pin him. Kevin Owens pins him, and Kevin Owens is your new WWE Universal Champion, Joe. What were your thoughts on this angle? This is it. Provided you're actually alive again. Well, okay, yeah, I'm you're fine. Good. Yeah, yeah. I think I swallowed a bugger. I guess I should, you know, <laughs> go to you in case I don't know if you're alive. Or I you're think good, I swallowed so. a bug or something. I don't know what was going on. But, um, yeah, this is more angry rich because you were just – you you look, I, I, I thought it was a, a, a great TV moment but a really shitty angle. And I know that you um, – well, I tell you. The tone of Twitter and social media was sort of split, but you were firmly on the side that you didn't like this, and you were getting beaten up pretty bad on Tuesday morning because when I woke up to read Dimensions, uh, <laughs> you, you had gotten uh, beat up pretty good. But it's not like you know we're totally on an island here. I think there's plenty of people um, who, who weren't thrilled with how that all played out, and, and we're certainly two of those people. Um, I thought you had some good points on our message board as to why you didn't like it. So um, I'm going to give you the floor first because I think you're you're a little more passionate about this yeah. than I am. Yeah, I think, you know, in a vacuum, I, and I, I've said this on Twitter and I said it on, on the message board as well, in a vacuum, it was great. I enjoyed it. It was awesome. It was cool. If you just think of it as, okay, three wrestlers are in the ring and, and you know, the authority figure comes out and he, you know, screws over two of them to have the guy come out of nowhere and win like that in itself. It's cool in that storyline. If you strip a lot of the, you know, precedent and context and all that sort of stuff, it was cool. It was a good moment. Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen is a guy that I've loved forever. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Seeing him hold up that title and finally win a, a culmination of a guy who went through a ton of shit, you know, in ring of honor and in the Indies to get to this point. 
And even when he got to this point, there wasn't a positive that this guy was ever going to be a championship material, ever be the world champion or whatever. To have him do that and win that moment, that, that's awesome. That is a great moment, an all-time moment that's just really cool. And, and you really can't – you know, that, for people that have been a big fan of Owens and Steen forever, that's a great moment because he's there and he's holding up the title. And there you go. It's, it's awesome in that moment. The problem, though, is that context and precedent does matter. And to me, that's why I hated this so much. And you and I are big on this, and I, I, I'm, I'm really big about this, is that optics are huge for me. Moments in wrestling, singular, you know, things, thing, singular moments, singular t- times or, you know, title wins or big things like that, those are so big. And you really can never recreate those. You know, and I mentioned this again on the message board. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin wins a WWF title at, you know, some December in your house show before WrestleMania. That moment of him finally winning the title and finally vanquishing, you know, Mr. McMahon, who was trying to hold him down. that That's a great moment. That's an all-time great moment it, that he did that. You know, Hulk Hogan's body slamming Andre the Giant is another one that's an all-time great moment that if he did it on Superstars three weeks before, would have lost a lot. It wouldn't be the same that he did that. I'm a big thing of that when that first thing happens, that thing that you're building to, when that happens, you want to make that work. You want to make that really sink in and really be great. And to me, Kevin Owens is a megastar. I think he is a bona fide superstar. You've mentioned it multiple times as well, that that's a guy who I think could just go a long way being, you know, not maybe not the face of the company, but absolutely somebody that's right on there, a main eventer for years to come, just because he's so damn good at everything he does. Like that, that's I have no doubt that regardless, we'll talk about here in a little bit of regardless of what happens in the storyline or whatever, he's going to make it work and he's going to make it work well because everything that he touches turns to gold. The guy is awesome. He's an all time great. But, you know, this is his first moment. This is his first title win. And you build up to it with Triple H pedigreeing two guys and instructing Owens, OK, now it's your turn to go pin him. And then Triple H, you know, handing him the title, Michael Cole saying, effectively, Triple H has handed Kevin Owens the title, or he's just handed Kevin Owens the title, or, you know, you know that was sort of the, the narrative around it. And that's why I say that the context and, and, and background and all this stuff matters is because, yes, in a vacuum, it is really cool that, Ke- that Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen won the title. Cool. That's great. But there's so much else into this, and there's so much precedent that you have to look at, is that we are in just a a ridiculously long time period now of the heel authority figure, an authority figure of somewhat, you know, being in charge of the champion and being, you know... You know, you know, the champion is servant to the authority figure. The authority figure, mostly heel, has you know control over the champion. And I think Sean Flynn, a few uh, maybe last year uh, when he was doing our raw reviews, had a really good point about, I believe, it was Seth Rollins when he was a champion, of saying that it the, the title got to a point last year, and it's still, I think, to a, to an extent, to that point where it wasn't who is the best guy in the company. It's who does the authority favor the most is what they've essentially made the title become. It's like, who does the authority want to be the champion? They've done that storyline so much now that it's just completely lost all of its meaning. And in this case, it lost so much meaning because Kevin Owens is a guy who I think is just incredible. I mentioned it again. You mentioned it. I think most, most people listening to this know that he's fucking awesome. He's great. And to have him be just what I'm assuming is a lackey to Triple H. And I think, you know, people will argue that and say, oh, no, it's, you know, Kevin Owens, he's not a lackey to Triple H. Triple H went out there, pedigreed two guys, and told Owens to pin him and then handed him the title. That is absolutely what was going on. And the big visual, every single part, what people were talking about, especially on the commentary and in mainstream, was Triple H came out, Triple H did this, Triple H stared at Foley and, and Stephanie, and then went outside. That was what the takeaway was for a lot of people was that is the story. And I think for most people, that is going to be the story that's going on here. And Kevin Owens is just a a part of that story. He's just the champion because this is the story or whatever. And I hate that. I think you can never bottle up that first big win again. I think Owens 
you know, define the authority in winning. That's your big moment. Him being maybe a babyface. We've talked about that. He's a budgeting babyface. That's your big moment. That's your first title win. That's the one that really gets people going. This, you know, Triple H handing him the title, and that's how Kevin Owens starts his, his, his initial title reign. I hate that. I think that sucks, especially given the context of 20 years of this exact same thing happening. People were bringing up The Rock and, and, and um, Vince McMahon at Survivor Series 1998 as, oh, well, it didn't hurt The Rock, which, you know, and we've mentioned multiple times before, stop mentioning The Rock. And when, you know, the Roman Reigns thing is, is a big example of why you don't say, well, it worked for The Rock. It obviously will work for this guy. Like, no, The Rock's once in a lifetime. But people bring that up as an example of, you know, oh, well, this didn't hurt The Rock or whatever. The problem is, is that was 1998 and we're in 2016 and it's the same story. And there's been that same story over and over and over and over again. And I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of that story. And I'm more sick that one of my favorite wrestlers of all time started his title reign in this sort of atmosphere of the Triple H power struggle with Foley and Stephanie. And I just hate that. I think there's there's so much better optics with Kevin Owens making that first miraculous title win that this just I, I don't know. I just I hated it in the moment. Uh, I, you know, I think about it a little bit and I, I love that Owens is the champion. I love that, that he's at that spot. And I know that for a fact, he's going to make it work because he just makes everything work. But I can't help but have this sinking feeling that, man, he's just another part of this, like authority figure power struggle thing that's going to be going on. And, and, and that just, it, it pains me. I, I just, it, I think it sucks. First of all, Survivor Series 98 sucked. I don't know why people are referencing that as some sort of positive comparison here. That show stunk. Um, that show, you know, was not good. Uh, number two, um, I don't have any problem with Kevin Owens winning his title the first time in, you know, a sleazy way or a heel like manner. I don't have a problem with that, but it's like you said, what's the big moment here? The big moment, this was not Kevin Owens moment. The moment was triple H returning, decimating those other two guys and then glaring at Stephanie. That was the big moment on raw. Not Kevin Owens winning the title. Right. I- I'm sorry. If you don't think that's true, you're wrong. The big moment on Raw was all about Triple H, not Kevin Owens. Um, and, and, it's, and to me, Kevin Owens, the way he won the title, did nothing to elevate him. He may be elevated off of this now, moving forward. But the way he won the title did nothing to help him or elevate him. Now, saying that you know, 19, you know, Survivor Series 98 didn't hurt The Rock. Well, this didn't hurt. I don't think this hurt Kevin Owens. Oh, no, no. Certainly not. I don't, see, that's the thing. I don't think what happened on Monday hurt Kevin Owens at all. But I don't think it necessarily helped him either. He's, he, he, he's the same upper mid-card guy that he was before. He just has you know, the fruit roll-up title around his waist now. Because the, 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 the star here was Triple H, not Kevin Owens. The big WWE. moment com. was Triple H, not Kevin Owens. WWE.com, when you go to their, uh, their shows page and, and look at Raw, here's the, here's the headline for the Raw results. The King of Kings helps Kevin Owens, uh, helps crown Kevin Owens as WWE Universal What, what Champion. more do you need? And the picture is Triple H holding up Kevin Owens. Yeah, it was hand. all about Triple H. That was Triple H's moment, guys. That wasn't Kevin Owens' moment. And I, I know that everybody likes Kevin Owens. He's very popular. He was very popular in 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 the building that night, he was arguably the most popular person in that match. I think Big Cass had him edged out a little bit, right? That's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but, yeah, he was crazy over. I, I was but, I, even but, I was. But shocked hold on now, Rich. Was. But let's not forget, Big Cass is a face, and Kevin Owens is a heel. Right. <laughs> and Kevin Owens as a heel is nipping on the, the 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 heels, no pun intended, of the more popular of the only baby face in the match. Because I don't know what the hell Roman Reigns is. He's just a failure. 
But the only true baby face in the match, you know, Owens is almost more popular than him as a heel. So I understand that people like Kevin Owens. And I understand that people are happy he won the title, and that's okay. And that's kind of why I backed off that night and I backed off that day because I don't want to piss in people. When people are enjoying wrestling, that's awesome. Yeah. This show is when I, I can go all in. You know what I mean? I, I was tired of doing it on Twitter and, and making people feel like shit for being happy. I don't want to do that because um, I don't like people who do that. And, and it wasn't my intention to do that that night. But I'm going to be honest about what I thought of the angle. I thought it sucked. And, and all of the focus was on Triple H. And – um, there was just and, – and, and all the excuses. Oh, well, you know, they, they were in a bad position. You know, uh, you know this you – know, Baller got hurt. Look, they knew Baller was hurt a week ago. They had a week to come up with something, and this is what they came up with? A, a, an angle to put over Triple H? When it was a prime opportunity to take a terrible situation of the Baller injury. And listen, I feel bad for the company because they did all the right things with Finn Baller. And it played out perfectly. Well, he was ready to go. He was off. Yeah, and they yeah. just got dealt a bad hand. You know, they did all the right things with Finn Bauer. They created a new star in the span of what two weeks or whatever it was from when he had that one the two matches on Raw and then one of the paper. Whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you could you can honestly stretch out maybe a month if you want to go you know more conservative with it. Yeah, but what, basically in a month they created whatever that. it was. It was two, three. It was between right. whatever it was between that first Raw and the pay per view. They created. They did everything right, and they nailed it. And yeah, they were dealt a bad hand, but they had a week to come up with something. They had a, and they were gift wrapped an opportunity to create another star, and what and who did they put over at the end of the night? They put over Triple H. Think about that for a second. Yeah, here, here's the subhead of that raw results. You know, I said it was you know the, the game or the King of Kings helps crown. Here, here's what, Triple H resurfaced on Raw to dramatically alter the complexion of its fatal four way elimination main event, attacking both Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins to pave the way for a Kevin Owens WWE Universal Championship victory. Why did the game choose the Prize Fighter to be the new standard bearer for Team Red? There you go. Yeah, it's all about last Triple name H. mentioned in there is Kevin Owens. The le- first name mentioned is Triple yep. H, and pave the way. For Kevin Owens, right. WWE Universal Championship. Right. Decimated, attacked. <laughs> so if, Both it, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. But yeah, so can't, you can't tell me that's not what it no, is. Like, no, it fits the man's character to a T. The, the Kevin Owens character would take that pin and take that belt and you know what I mean? No, 100%. But that's yeah. what I mean. It didn't hurt him, but it didn't help him either. Because that's not how you elevate someone. They, it would, would have been very easy to elevate Kevin Owens in this situation. It would. This was a – you know, when – as I was watching it play out, and don't get me wrong, it was great television. It was compelling, fantastic television. But as I'm watching it play out, and Triple H gives the pedigree to Roman, and then he gives the pedigree to Seth, what I'm thinking in that moment is, and I almost tweeted this, and I'm glad I didn't because it didn't play out this way. I, 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 the tweet was fired up, and I was ready to hit send, and what I said was, oh my god, they're doing it. They're turning Kevin Owens. They finally see the light. Because to me, of the four guys in that ring, he has the, he has the highest upside as a babyface out of anybody in that ring. It's right in front of their face, and they either don't realize it or, or, they, don't, or they don't agree. I don't know what the case is, but I have no question if they ran with this guy as a babyface, he has more upward potential than any of the four people in that ring. Any of them. In fact, I don't even think it's close. I really don't. And... At, in that moment, I thought they were finally turned. I thought they were going with the turn. I thought he was going to refuse to take that pin and attack Triple H. Imagine the pop that would have got if, if, if it would have went that way. You do, you do, you, you do the, you do the turn right there. You could have even done the double turn with Roman 
in that moment. There was a million different things they could – they had a week to come up with something, and what they came up with, again, was putting Triple H over. Yeah, what I really liked, and I, I hate to do like the fancy book, and we we like to not, you know, <laughs> we like to avoid doing that at, at all costs. But you know, one thing that would be awesome is yeah, the Triple H sort of pedigrees all these guys and goes, okay, Kevin, there you go. And Kevin goes, no, you know, and he he, he you know does whatever the pop of power round or whatever to Triple H, and maybe he still does pin them. But at least you have that visual of like, no, I'm not doing it because of you. Maybe then he picks up, uh, you know, Rollins and then hits him with a pop up or something like that. Right. Then he goes, no, you know what? I'm taking this moment because he's still going to. And I think there's always that element of Owens that you don't want to get rid of. He's never going to be a, you know, a white bread baby face. He's still going to take advantage whenever there's kind of a little bit to, you know, a little bit to take here. But he's going to at least try to do it his way. It's going to be on his terms. So he's going to powerbomb Triple H. He's going to pick up Seth Rollins and he's going to powerbomb him himself. And that's how he wins. But this is like he crawls over and pins him because Triple H told him. Or, or, or Triple H could have, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, one of those deals where um, he could have overcame the authority trying to hand it to Rollins again. Yeah. There's a million different ways. And, and again, that would have turned him if he would have overcame uh, Triple H's shenanigans and beat Rollins anyway. Uh, maybe Owens gets pedigreed, kicks out. And then wins the match. And a million different things you could have done, which would have put the moment on him. But instead of turning him and 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 rolling the dice, and and does this company need baby faces or not, Rich? I mean, give me a break. Jeez. I mean, Honestly, go look at a list of the Raw roster and 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 pick out the baby faces for me. And, and, like you'll find two, maybe. And a lot of people it, are saying, "Well, this is a Seth turn." We don't even know that. No, we really don't know. We don't that. know this is a Seth turn. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 we, all we know, you know, we don't know that yet. They haven't established that or even hinted at that. We're not going to know until Raw. But I mean, they, you know, it's 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 the, to me, uh, they had a week to come up with something. And what they came up with with let's use this four way not to create a new star, not to do something big, not to do something outside the box. Let's use this four way to kickstart a Triple H Stephanie McMahon storyline. I mean, I, I, to, to, to me. I mean that's it's that's why I can't get behind this angle as good as a TV moment as it was. I thought it was a shit angle because it was a missed and entirely blown opportunity for a company and specifically that brand which is desperate for baby for uh, for multiple new babyface stars and they blew it. They totally blew it. Yeah, and that, and that's why I mentioned you know many times as well that I think it, it and there was people were having trouble doing this and people were kind of assuming via our tweets and via post and and people might even be thinking it now that we're talking here is that we're demeaning somehow that Owens won the title or that we're not happy for Owens the person or Owens the character. Like you can compartmentalize that. You can say that it is a great moment that Kevin Steen and Kevin Owens or whatever has won the championship. A guy that you really love, a guy that I've loved forever, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I can compartmentalize that I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the person, and I even like the idea that that character has the title it's really cool but then you're also able to like all that and still think that the angle's absolute shit and that it didn't and, and it didn't do much for the character exactly like you're able to do that you're able to kind of in the moment go yes that was great that was cool oh my god owens is champion that's awesome but then also say god damn it that whole thing sucks because and, and that's really what i'm doing it's another co-opted champion and, and i just I'm, I'm sick of that story i'm sick of triple h being paramount to that story I mean, we're talking summer 2013 it was when we started this 
authority thing. SummerSlam 2013, it's, it's 2016, like enough. I don't want to see it anymore. And that's, that's all it is. And like, yeah, I think you're able and, and people can call, you know, me negative or, or, or tell me to wait for it to play out or whatever. But I'm allowed to say that I think it was shitty and it sucked. And I, it, for me, the moment of Owens winning the championship, I wanted it to be something special. And I think that company needed it to be something special. And it's not. It's just another thing with another guy in the great grand scheme of the McMahons fighting for power of the company. And that's the problem. Can we be completely honest here? If Kevin Owens wasn't the one that won that match, everyone would be trashing this. Bingo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The only reason that there's people who aren't trashing this is because they're happy with the person who won. If you if Seth Rollins was, you know, draped over Kevin Owens to end this match, which, by the way, would have been another way to turn Kevin. There was a million ways to turn Kevin Owens and turn him into a mega baby face here, but they just don't see him that way. And they're wrong because he would be a mega baby. He'd be an enormous baby face star. He would be an enormous. I've said it a million times. Okay. And, and when he is one day, we're going to replay that tape too. Like we did the Kenny Omega tape. But if, if this would have been Seth Rollins being draped over Kevin Owens or Roman Reigns and Triple H holding up Seth Rollins hands for you people who think we're being negative and who think that, uh, would you, would you have felt the same way? No, you'd be trashing this. Because it was a shit angle. It's okay to, to, to like Kevin Owens but say that this was a shit angle. Because it's, it's just business as usual all over again with this company. With the same bullshit. And what's more disappointing is we thought that shit was over. We thought that with this new era, you know, they did the split rosters. And Rich, they've, we haven't talked about this enough, but they've done a great job changing the look of the shows. Change, they have. Yeah, they really changing have. Changing the yeah, feel we- of the shows. And what have we been screaming about? That this show has looked exactly the same since 2004 or whatever the fuck. That you can put on any Raw from 2004 or 2006 onward and it looks like any Raw from 2015. And they've done a great job giving the show's identities and making the shows look different and giving them a Yeah, new camera thing. angles. New camera yeah, angles. They, they've really done a great job. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of and, – and, and it really felt like maybe we were past all this bullshit and, and here we go again with Triple H and Stephanie about to be the focus of the show. And for those of you who are going, you don't know that, let it play out. Let it play out is fine. I say that myself in certain situations. But again, like Rich said earlier, context and, and, and uh, precedent are key. What, what company are we talking about here? What makes you think for one <laughs> second that that's not going to be the direction? I mean, they, they, hey, we, you're telling me it's not reasonable to think that that's where this is going, especially the way it was framed with the camera work, with him walking past Stephanie and glaring at her and her glaring at him. And then the things that Rich just read to you off of their website, which had nothing to do with Kevin Owens and everything to do with Triple H. And you don't think that's solid enough reason to maybe suspect that that's where this thing is going? Get lost what you let it play out. We have every reason to think that this is not going to play out in a good manner. Okay. I love that 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 some people think that Triple H, you know, again, Triple H, you know, I'll say it, Triple H is going to come in pedigree two guys, hand a guy a title, and then walk away from the spotlight. And just like, all right, that's it for me. I've done my part, and I am done. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, bye. He's on, his, he's on his way to full sale to work on entrance themes with CFO. You're never going to see him again. Give me a fucking break. He's going to be right. front and center on the show every week, and he's going to have three segments. And they're going to be the three most important segments. And Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens is going to be his little sidekick, okay? Like Randy Orton was and like Seth Rollins was. But here's the thing, Rich. I think Kevin Owens is good enough to overcome it. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's what I really wanted to come out of this segment sort of talking about is I don't want us to kind of bi- – we, we've done our bitching and moaning and all that sort of stuff. But I've said it you, you know, when I, when I was introducing this. Owens is going to make it work because he's so goddamn good at everything that he does. 
He makes every single thing that he's done, especially in this company, work and work just am- I mean, that Jericho Owens thing, like, on its face, it was like, ah, that's kind of just... They, they, back, that was the best team ever. I love that team. It was great. Go back and read the tweets from when Jericho and Owens were first put together and, and how everyone was saying it was a horrible idea. What is this crap? This is terrible. It was, but they made it work because they're fucking Those awesome. guys are great. Jericho, too. The, the tide has turned on Jericho, too, because he's been so good as a heel uh, on this run that all it's like it, the people that were you know, all the dad jokes and all that. It's like it, he's been he's so great at being a pro wrestler that he's overcome it. And to me, he's one of the three or four most entertaining people on the entire roster right now, Chris Jericho. And you're right that Jericho Owens thing absolutely were. And I hope they continue on with that. I hope that's not the end of that. But who knows now? I, I, you know, I, I, I really don't know. But um, great TV, horrendous angle. Um, and, and look, this doesn't, this doesn't mean doom and gloom for Kevin Owens. He can move forward from here and become a giant megastar or whatever. And I still think he has top babyface potential. Um, but, uh, you know, it's hard to have faith in this company. And, 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 and really, I mean, this was such a – this four-way had so much hype leading up to it. And so much buzz, and people were excited to see what direction this was going to go. And you could make cases for all four guys winning the match, and people were making a case for all four guys winning the match. And then that is the fucking giant steaming shit that they gave you. Uh, and it was a great match, too, completely ruined by that. Oh, awesome match, yeah. It was a great match, too, on top of that, uh, which, which, which always helps if you're going to make a new star. Uh, it doesn't hurt, that's for sure. And um and they 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 completely blew the opportunity. I and I and, and here's the thing. I love the way that, that match was laid out until Triple H hit the ring. I thought Big Cass going out first was the right move, provided he looked good, and he looked great. They put him in a position to look great. He cleaned house. Um, uh, he he looked good. He didn't look out of place. He didn't look as good as the other guy. I think people were going a little bit crazy with how good he looked. I I think we need to pump the brakes on that. He looked good enough. He didn't look out of place. Okay, I'm still not sold that he could have a 20, 25 minute WWE main event. I need to see it before I'm sold on that. But he looked good. He looked like a beast, and I had no problem being eliminated first. There's still a hierarchy. He's in there with three bigger stars, and I don't think that was a bad thing that Big Cass was eliminated first because I think even though he was eliminated first, Rich, and I, I, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, I think he was still elevated in that match. Oh, certainly. And I think all you have to look at is the hype leading up to the match on that actual Raw where he's got a video package where they're talking about Big Cass being. I mean, that is absolutely. Yeah, he again, the optics, you know, I'm big on that. The optics of him being in that match or even being with those guys and not seeming like completely out of place. Like initially it kind of felt that way. And then more and more as they kind of built it up and more as the week went on and as more as WWE kind of said, hey, you know, Big Gas is, is, is Ben, you know, he's got a real chance here. And, you know, they're doing the promos, talking about his background and his history or whatever. He was absolutely right there. And that's the thing that we talk about. It's so simple that that a lot of times you just got to kind of get behind a guy and make people think that this guy has a chance, that this guy isn't a complete geek. And a lot of times that will just be enough. And that's what they did with Big Cass is over these last few weeks is they've put him on a level where it's like, yeah, you know, he's not he's not main event level. He's not the champion level yet. But he's right there. He's in that mix, and that's all you needed. That's all you needed to show is that this guy, and now he can go back and he can do whatever he's doing, but you at least have that wrinkle of, or that little nugget of, you know, this guy was in that four-way and held his own. Yeah, he didn't win. Yeah, he wasn't ready yet. But he showed he showed himself there. He showed that he's capable of doing that at some point. So I think, absolutely, he, he they, they did 
perfect job with Big Cass, I thought, this entire time. And I kind of like it better that he was the first out because that shows that he's not quite there exactly. yet. It was almost like it was almost like a Japanese sort of storytelling there. It's like, well, no, of course he's not going to beat any of these other guys. Like, it would have been a little too pandery if he got, like, halfway there and then lost or whatever. I like the idea that, no, 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 these guys are a clear step above him, but he's right there. He held his own for a certain amount of time, but now we got to let the big guys play. But, yeah, maybe you can get to that level because now you have something to reach for yes. with Big Cass. It's not like he... he because if he goes to the final one and then he, he's the last guy eliminated or something like that, you know, then like, all right, what's more to do? Now there's a lot more to go. Okay, all right. Well, we saw that he can kind of get there, but he's not there yet. That's cool. Then you can kind of build it up a little bit. So, no, I was I, – I thought he absolutely was fine. Yeah, and not only that, considering where they went with the finish, you want to keep him out of that muck. You don't want your burgeoning potential young star involved in a Triple H finish. <laughs> Which, again, that speaks volumes of what we're talking about again. Like – the fact that they were like, all right, we got to get this guy away, and which is absolutely what they wanted to do, is get him they out of They didn't that. want Big Cass anywhere near that finish. You know what I mean? And that was, and that was that. smart. And that was a smart move on their part. Um, and, and, and you're right. You don't want to give him too much too soon because then you could run into another Roman Reigns situation where Roman Reigns was just pushed so super hard from the start and always made to look so superior that the fans eventually turned on him because they were sick of that shit. Because he was being, quote-unquote, shoved down everybody's throat. I know there's a lot of revisionist history on that, and people like to pretend that he wasn't, but he very clearly was. I don't care that he lost some random match on a random Raw somewhere. The overriding theme with Roman Reigns is that he was this dominant guy who always looked great. And that is why people initially turned on him. And now it's just a train that's out of control, and you're never getting it to stop or turn around. So you, you run the danger of doing that with this guy, too. There's nothing wrong with a nice, slow, progressive build to this guy's career. And even though he was eliminated first, he clearly came into that Raw at one level and left it at a different level. He, took, he was elevated a little bit there. I'm not saying he was elevated into superstardom, but he came out of that Raw in a better place than he came into it. And the in-ring... He, those guys did a tremendous job selling their ass off for him too, which I'm sure was a big part of the match from an agent point of view. Make Cass look good before we knock him out. I even tweeted, I said, he looks so good right now, you know he's the first one out. And two minutes later, he was the first one out. <laughs> because, right. But that was good. I'm not complaining. Yeah, that's that's exactly how you want to design a match like that. Because if he looked like a bum and got eliminated first, the tone of this conversation would be much different. But he looked very good. Now, the speed of the match is a little different when he's in control. He still feels like he's thinking his way through a lot of spots. But he didn't look like a jabroni. He didn't look like a rookie. He, he, he held his own more than common. Look, that's just me being super critical. To your average fan, he looked like he belonged. And that's important. All right. Anything else from uh, Raw or WWE land? No. I think uh, unless you want to talk about the headbangers, I think that maybe, you know, and, and the Daniel Bryan thing, I thought he had some interesting comments on uh, the SmackDown post game thing again, where he said he flat out, you know, he apologized to Miz, number one. And number two, he said that if he ever wrestles again, I think he mentioned the Tokyo Dome as the place that he would wrestle again if he ever wants to wrestle again. Um, look, it's, it's, it's an absolute lock now, and I think everybody – he's wrestling again. And I think he's wrestling as soon as he's legally able to. And um, you know, a good point that someone had made was um, that now that he's on TV every week, his contract you – know, the, the clock is ticking on that. 
because you know, like we we went through with the Rey Mysterio thing, and we were going through with the Daniel Bryan thing. If you're not performing for them, they sort of hit that stopwatch on your contract. right, or they auto renew it because you didn't, you know, meet the obligations of your your contract. Yeah, right. So, and we all know through his body language that it, it's killing him. We, we, <laughs> Absolutely. It, and so this, you know, he may just be riding out the clock. Until he can go wrestle somewhere, uh, we knew that too. Like you, we knew that. Like wh- you took him away from the rhubarb garden or whatever the hell, and you put him in a wrestling atmosphere, and you think that guy's not going to want to get in the ring and do it again. I did. I did a Voices of Wrestling live with McCarran the night of that Seattle Raw, and, I, and when when the tone of every, of the rest of the wrestling universe was, oh, this is so Daniel Bryan. Oh, you, thank God, now he's not going to die. He's never. He's retiring. He's never. And I went on that. Uh oh, I just got a text, and I went on that Voices of Wrestling live. <laughs> And I said, I have no doubts this guy's wrestling again. It's just in his blood. This is what he does is what he loves. Yeah. If you had maybe not had him do anything wrestling related, if he, if, if he was still on his little farm or in his backyard, you know, working on stuff, I, I, I believe that he could maybe distance himself at some point because he's a guy who has some other interests or whatever. But the second you put him in any sort of wrestling atmosphere again, especially like, you know, going onto a mic, getting into a ring and like talking on a microphone, like you don't think that that guy just the entire time is just squirming and you can feel it. It's like awkward to watch him in there because you just know he's like, he so badly just wants to freaking kick somebody or, you know, you can, you can just feel it you can just sense it in him that he's just so awkward when he's in the ring because he's just he doesn't want to do that he wants to get in there and wrestle that that you could just tell that that you, you know if you take him away from that atmosphere you put him in a garden you put you do whatever i'm hiking it or whatever i think he would maybe at, at some point distance himself but the fact that when you put him in there especially i think the cruiserweight classic is certainly not helping or certainly didn't help things i think he saw that went oh my god all these guys are awesome god damn it look i really want to get and you you know he, he, when he's talking in too the commentary is also great for the, the cruiserweight classic because you can see he watches kota bushi and I was like, oh man! <laughs> like he's, you just know he's, he's just oh Zack Saber, ah oh, come on! He's like, genuinely excited when he watches those matches. Yeah, which like is that, why that's he's just... kind of a crappy announcer. You're right, because he's nerdy Brian Danielson going, oh man, how awesome! <laughs> like, I mean, it doesn't bother me because I, 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 him and Morrow, I feel like they're speaking to my sensibilities. Yeah, no, I want that. I absolutely want so that from the crew. I don't class. care yeah. that that Daniel Bryan is kind of awkward and shitty as an announcer because he's shitty in like a charming way. You know what I mean? He's he's not polished at all. He's just so excited that he stumbles over his words, and um, you know. But yeah, I told yeah. This, there's, I mean, this guy's one million percent wrestling again, and I'm excited for it. And I know that there's going to be a lot of controversy when he does wrestle again. But you know, my stance, Rich, is always going to remain the same. It's his fucking brain. It's his body. And if he has five or six doctors, and look, he's gone to multiple doctors. What more do you want the guy to do? The only doctor that's telling him he can't wrestle is the only one that counts. You know what I mean? He's got other doctors clearing him. So, I mean, if, if – now, if it was – he went to six doctors, none of them – they all refused to clear him, but he's going to do it anyway, I'd be like, he's an idiot and he shouldn't do this and, and, and he's got a wife to think about and a family to think about and I'd be totally against it. But the doctors have cleared the guy and he wants to do it. So who the hell am I? Or any of you to tell him that he shouldn't. You know what I mean? And, it, you know, if it bothers you that much, you know, then don't buy a subscription to New Japan World. Don't buy a ticket to PWG when he's in Bola in 2018. Don't go to your local indie when he, when he wrestles your local indie. You know, he's going to do all these things. And, and I support it. If you, if you don't want to support it, that's, that's great. It's not going to bother me at all. I'll be the first one in line to watch this guy wrestle when he wants to wrestle again. I, I don't have any qualms about that at all. All right, let's move on to some other topics we have here. Let uh, uh, Joe, I it's been a while, but you want to bounce around Japan? 
Well, we're 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 going. You know, should we do? Should we do Peter Pan independent of bouncing around Japan? Are you? Right, well, let me ask you this, Rhett. Are yeah, you going to play the music? Uh, I am going to play the music. I already have it loaded. If up. you're going to play the music, I say let's do DDT, the Peter Pan show, and then we'll bounce around Japan for the rest of the stuff. How about that? Okay, that's fair. Okay, because I think the Peter Pan show is a current event, a show that just went off a couple days ago, and I think it deserves a legitimate segment, don't you? I do. Okay, all right. That's fine. All right, let's go with that then. So I will halt the uh, the, bounce, the Oriental Express. You're excited to do it. I like that though because I know, a lot yeah. of times you're not fired up. I know a lot of times when we bounce around Japan, you're like, oh, fuck. I got to go back into this file, stick this stupid fucking song in there. This is a pain <laughs> in my ass. But you're fired up to do the bounce. I got to load it. I got to load it up and already. I'm ready to go. You're excited about the bouncing around Japan. The fans love it, Rich. The listeners can't get enough of the bounce. But let's do this Peter Pan show, which – um, you know, I don't know, just the tone of us talking a little earlier. I think, like me, you were a little disappointed with this show. I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I went in, so, so the way I watch the show and the way I've kind of decided I'm going to watch a lot of shows now is because too often I'll, I'll start with a big, you know, Puro show or it doesn't even matter. I, I'll, I'll do it with even, you know, WWE stuff. I'll watch like all the undercard and, and I get kind of worn out at a certain point by the undercard. So what I did with this show and what I've been starting to do a little bit is I'll watch the main event. I'll watch the first three matches. I do it a lot with uh, Dragon Gate as well. I'll watch like the main event of, of Kobe World or whatever and then work my way, you know, backwards and watch the semi main and then maybe at some point go back to, the, you know, watch it in that way so I can kind to get a better idea uh, of what's you know what the main event was and really i'm not going to be watching it while i'm tired or burnt out or whatever so i started peter pan watching this i one moment my for some reason my computer unplugged and it is one well, i don't want to you'll get cut off here so this is professional stuff here one moment. rich was having issues with uh crickets or locusts or something earlier so i don't know maybe he's Killing bugs. They're called cicadas. I don't think they're. I don't have locusts. <laughs> you have locusts invading the house. What's no, I no, I don't believe so. But so what uh, was the issue? Okay. What were you just killing? You just killed. Uh, no, I didn't kill anything. My uh, my laptop. I thought I had it plugged in, and then I got a prompt that said you have like eight percent left on your battery. And a lot of times when it says you have eight percent, it means I have like twenty two seconds before it shuts off. Yeah. So, because it's like you have eight percent, I'm like, all right, cool, and then it shuts off like twenty seconds. That would have been so. bad since that's basically yes. the entire hub of what we're doing here. Yeah, so that that would be no good. So anyway, all right. So I, I I went back and I watched you know DDT Peter Pan. I watched the main event first, and well, I, maybe let's talk about the main event, and then we'll kind of work our way through the rest of the card. Because I was a little disappointed by the rest of the card, but I was not disappointed by the main event. I love the main event uh, of, of Takashita and, and Suji Ishikawa for the D, uh, the KOD Openweight Championship. Of course, Ishikawa winning the title uh, after a really awesome match. Joe, what was your thoughts on this main event? Because I love this. I love the story of the match, and I loved everything about it. And I loved that it wasn't an epic match. That it was more of it was different than that, but, but I want to hear your thoughts first because we have not talked about this match, you and I yet. Uh, first of all, Rich, the main event was the Iron Man heavy metal title match between <laughs> Ryoto Yamasato and Yakatori, if we're being technical here. Uh, but no, um, yeah, the, the, the KOD uh, Shuji Ishikawa uh, defeats uh, Konosuke Takashita for the title, uh, the young star in DDT. And yeah, I thought it was a very good match. I hesitated great. I don't think I liked it as much as you did, but it was very good. I think I had it at four stars even. Um, Ishikawa is having a hell of a year. I thought Ishikawa worked his ass off. 
he mm-hmm. he was flying off the top rope like a fucking cruiserweight, uh, you know, doing die, you know, do, doing dives and and just working very hard like he always does. The guy's a very hard worker. Um, you know, as far as him winning the title, that title DDT tends to bounce it around. I don't take their booking seriously, and I don't really care what they do when it comes to that company. And I know that sounds like I'm bashing them, but I'm not. All I'm saying is. In the context of DDT, I don't give a fuck if what they do with their titles. It really doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Because the way they bounce their titles around and, and the way that they treat their titles, and it's, it's just in that company, it doesn't phase me. Um, so in the traditional sense, you might not want to see the young burgeoning champion lose this soon after just being crowned. But in this context, it, doesn't ma- it didn't matter to me at all. Uh, so from that perspective, I didn't mind it. I thought it was an excellent match. I, I thought the one thing... Forget Ishikawa for a minute because I think that guy's a wrestler of the year candidate and he's having a great year. Oh, he absolutely is. Let, let's talk about that here in a little bit after after we talk about this match because I, I do think we need to have a discussion about Ishikawa, but go, go ahead. But take a sheet. I mean, this is a guy who his body's starting to fill out. He's not wearing that cringy gear anymore with the stoplights on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> we all knew this guy was a. His gear does still kind of suck, but it's, it's, an it's getting better. It's an right. improvement. Yes. He has a look now where you can take him more serious. Like, it would have been harder to take him seriously two years ago against a beast like Ishikawa. Now, I had no problem taking him seriously in this match from an aesthetic standpoint. Uh, and he has improved as a worker, but I got to be honest. It was Ishikawa that stood out in the match. Absolutely. Um, which, which, okay, look, how old's Takeshi? Is he like 23? He's like 21, I believe. You know, so he's like, he's still a kid. I don't even think he's 20. He's 21. So, I mean, look, it's okay that, you know. Yeah, he was born in 1995. You want to feel old, Joe? He was born in 1995, so. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, the headbangers were in WWE when this guy was born. (laughs) They were flying nuns, I think. Yeah, so it's like, um, he's 21 years old, and and he headlined Peter Pan, which is a big deal, and it always draws. This show drew 5,400 fans, a little down, but there's no Kota Ibushi, okay, uh, on this year's show. I consider the 5,400 fans a win for this main event, for for Takeshita's first main event against a guy like Ishikawa. I I think that's a solid crowd for their biggest show of the year, for a show that did not have Kota Ibushi. And they announced on this show that he's coming back, by the way, Uh, so um, to the company. Uh, He did wrestle for Wrestle 1 a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But but yeah, but I thought Ishikawa was the clear standout in the match, but that's okay. This guy's 21 years old. He's not going anywhere, and I hope that he has a decade-long feud with another guy that was on the show who I want to talk about when we review, when we go back and talk about the whole show. But I know yeah. you have some thoughts about Ishikawa. Yeah, no, so so well, I actually want to talk about Takashita here a little bit and, and sort of his role in this match because it absolutely was the Ishikawa show in this match. The the whole idea of it, and which I'm fine with because I think it's actually a really cool story, is that you have Takashita who comes in here and he's the champion and you know he's still this, this little guy, he's 21, he's starting to fill out like you said, but he's still like when he's up against Ishikawa, it's like there's no universe where Ishikawa would lose to this guy. You know what I mean? Like there was that visual that you initially got and Ishikawa sort of had that look to him where they were doing the intros and he kind of looks at him and, and I thought it was a really cool cool uh, camera shot where it's actually is doing something. I forgot what the hell he's doing. And Ishikawa just kind of looks at him like, eh, you're, you're kind of a puny little piece of crap. I'm going to kill you. And he does. Like, he kind of just slaughters the guy throughout. And I thought one of the really cool 
um, parts of this the story was that uh, I think towards the end of the match, Takashita has no idea what he's going to do to this guy. He, he he's you know he'd given him a run for his money for a little bit, but there got to a point where it's just like I don't know what I'm going to do against this guy. So what he starts doing is he, he kind of he starts going for like clothesline battles with Ishikawa, which doesn't go well by the way because Ishikawa is going to destroy him in that. But you get this idea that Takashita is still this young guy. He still kind of doesn't quite know what he's doing. He's kind of stupid in, in that sense where he goes for a clothesline battle, he goes for chop battles, and he keeps losing this stuff, and it's like no dude like you're not going to beat Ishikawa you know doing lariat battles or doing chop battles that's not going to happen and then it gets to a point where Takashita runs out of things to do so he starts punching him he just starts actually doing closed fist punches and the announcers are going nuts about oh closed fist closed fist punches punches and the referee's going no 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 you can't punch what are you, what are you doing man I thought that was kind of cool because this is a guy who's just out of ideas and just goes you know what I'm just going to punch the hell out of this guy because maybe maybe that'll work and it doesn't, because Ishikawa just hits him with the slam, and it's over right then and there. So you kind of get this visual of that Takashita didn't necessarily look like a complete... I, I don't want to say he looked... Like, he did sort of look like a lesser person than Ishikawa, but I think that's fine, because he, at this moment, is lesser than Ishikawa. So I think it's a pretty cool story now that you got this guy like Takashita, who, who's not quite there yet, who's got a little ways to go, who's got to fill out his body a little bit, and who's got to become a smarter worker. We talk about that a lot with Will Ospreay, which I love about Will Ospreay matches, and people get mad and say, oh, you're coming up with that story on your own, but I really truly believe that is a lot of the stories, and I absolutely believe that was the story with this one, is that he was dumb. Like, he was getting in lariat battles. He was doing this. He was doing... He, he was trying to do this stuff against Ishikawa, and it's not going to work, because Ishikawa is just stronger than you. And and it, so it's going to take Takashita sort of getting smarter that next Next time, and, and I don't know if it's against Ishikawa or whoever it comes with, but he's not going away. It's not like they're going to bury this guy six feet deep. It was just the, the idea that this little guy had no chance against Ishikawa, who's a giant man. That's it. That's the story for right now. And Ishikawa is not some guy who just came in and made your champion look like a chump because this guy's making everybody look like a chump because he's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. The guy's got look, look at look at his resume this year. Have you been? I, I know you've been following it, but for people that don't know, Suji Shikawa is like a legit wrestler of the year candidate. If you really want to make it, I mean, he, he's just left and right. Like, if you want to go by kayfabe and not necessarily like drawing power and that sort of stuff, the guy's just got accolades, you know, everywhere. Any any promotion he's in, he's like the top guy in it. You know, he's got the kayfabe accolades. He's got the belled bell nerd accolade. You know, I've got him down. Um, I don't have my sheet in front of me, but. No less than a half a dozen four plus star matches. Every time he's in a big match, <laughs> every time he's in a big match, he delivers. Um, and this was no exception. The guy's just uh, a, a pretty great pro wrestler, and he and 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 he's one of those guys who, um, you know, he was a union guy for years, you know. And and a lot of people weren't familiar because who's watching union shows? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it, it, there's people who listen to this who watch union, but even they'll tell you no one else was watching. You know what I mean? It's like, and now he's. You know, Union doesn't really exist anymore, and he's sort of like this freelance guy, but he's still tied to DDT. He's a big Japan guy, um, and 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 he's just there's he's just a big bruising bully style worker, and um, and and he always seems to deliver. And yeah, he's definitely in the mix. And when we say wrestler of the year, it would be more of a, I would say more of a more outstanding candidate, yeah. more than a Flair Thez. I don't think you can make a Flair Thez case for him, um, or if you would, it'd be a weak one. I mean, you maybe argue he'd be top ten for something like that, but I think it's more of a in in, in observer vernacular a most outstanding because I get in trouble for that on Twitter a lot because I'll tweet out that someone's a wrestler of the year candidate, um, and and people who read the observer 
will be like, wait a minute, this, you know, because it'll just be some indie guy or something. But what I'm Yeah, show me his drawing power. Yeah. <laughs> what house is he drawing? But what people have to understand is we've got 7,000 followers or whatever, and only a fraction of them pay attention to the observer. So to those people, wrestler of the year simply means who was the best wrestler this year? You know what I mean? So it's, but we've got two different sides and two different kinds of fans that follow us. So sometimes we have to clarify that point. Uh, otherwise, I, I totally get beat up on Twitter pretty much every time I tweet that. But uh, but yeah, he's definitely a, sort of a quote unquote most outstanding contender, I would say, without question. Yeah, and he's doing just great stuff in every promotion he's in. You know, he's a KOD uh, open weight champion, uh, the Big Japan tag champion. He won the King of DDT tournament. Like, just accolades left and right. And any promotion he's in, he's immediately, you know, one of the top guys there. You know, he's just doing really good stuff all around. He won, um, what else? He won another, I'm blanking on the other tournament. Oh, the, the All Japan tournament, right? In terms of tournaments he won this year, which ones did you say? Yeah, so I said uh, King of DDT. Oh, the Strong Climb. That's what he I won, meant. I meant the Big Japan Strong he Climb. Won he won Strong Climb and he won King of DDT. That's right. Okay. So he, last year he got pretty far in the real world tag league. Right? Real world tag correctly. league. He was in it. I don't think they were in the finals or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. And then Royal Road, I know last year, I think he was in the semis or something like that. Somewhere around there. So, I mean, he, he's – and th- those are last year. But but this year alone, yeah, he won the strong climb, the king of DDT. He's won some titles here and he there. He won the last two strong climbs because he, I, he won it in 14 and they alternate between right, – Oh, because they do the deathmatch thing in between. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So in so yeah, I mean, the just, deathmatch tournament, and this year it was back to like a regular tournament, right? But um, but he's just yeah, he's just finding like anywhere any promotion he's in, he's just doing great stuff, and he's just having amazing matches left and right, whether they're tag, whether they're just singles matches, whether multi. I mean, he's just really just having a great year. So if you're not checking him out, if you're kind of hand waving a lot of the stuff that he's in, if you don't like the promotions that he's wrestling in, or you know, Big Japan's not your thing, or DDT's not your thing, I would just definitely tell you to at least just watch if you see him in a match, just watch him, and just if you haven't seen enough of him, because I think a lot of people. You know, almost to a man will we'll say that they just really enjoy his work because it's hard to not really like what he does. You know, yeah, it's really what, a guy. If, if Tomohiro Ishii is your thing and, oh, and, yeah. and Tomohiro Ishii versus Shibata or Makabe is your thing, then you need to give these big Japan matches a chance. It's the same style. Mm-hmm. It's the same style. And, and this guy wrestles that exact style. So I, I would I would highly recommend. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of new Japan fans to listen. I would highly recommend if you like those, you know, those never style, you know, Haas fights from the last couple of years, Big Japan would be right up your alley, uh, you know. So, but yeah, great match, new champion, um, and 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 easily, easily in my opinion, the best match on the show by a mile because I don't I, I, 100% because agree. here's yeah. where we turn on this show. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> wrap it. Uh, you know, so because I don't even think anything else was close because I didn't think this was a very good show at all. Um, I, I, I was really disappointed. Yeah, I really, I really strapped in to say, okay, I, I can't wait to watch the show because usually we, we'll watch the Peter Pans almost every year. That's one that we course, say yeah. hey, it's DDT's big show of the year. We'll watch every single match, and, and you know, it's six hours long the video. And I went, all right, whatever, man. It's DDT's big show. I don't care. Wait a minute, did you watch all the Iron Man stuff? Yes. You're a brave man. I know. I, I, I hand waved all that, and I <laughs> I really should have. I really, really should have. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to watch the whole thing. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. It's, it. It took me three days to get through because I it just, was a like, five and a half hour show. And it just, it was a gr- like some of these matches would happen. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to go do something else and I'll work on it a little bit later. And I had to kind of chip away, chip away slowly, but surely. But yeah, I was just not a fan. Like 
I usually like DDT too. So for people that are like, oh, you know, I know that DDT doesn't tend to be your thing as much because you're not into as much of the comedy. I can kind of let the comedy go sometimes. But for whatever reason, this like nothing really made me laugh on the show and nothing really was all that great in ring wise. So I was I was I was very disappointed by the show overall. Yeah, I mean, I attempted the Iron Man deal, you know, with the title that's like the old hardcore 24 seven title or whatever. It's all, you know, comedy and it's it's fine, but I, I skip all that. I When it comes to DDT, I always skip the comedy. And when it comes to Big Japan, I always skip the death matches. Um, it helps me get through the shows. I know I'm not going to like the stuff anyway. The only match I attempted because it was getting some buzz was the uh, Dan Shoku Dino versus Lily Co <laughs> match. I tried it and life is just too fucking short. And I watched it for like four or five minutes and said, I, you know, I, I've, I can do... So many other things with my time, Rich. I can. Yeah, I just didn't I, find it that funny. I, I don't know. It, it didn't entertain me at all. It's just not my yeah. thing. And I'm not going to sit here and spend 20 minutes burying. Look, I, if you've seen one Dan Shokudino match, you've seen 20 of them. And and I, you know, he amuses me sometimes. And the Lily Code thing, I guess she was good at what. She, look, it's just not my thing. So I'm not going to sit here and bury it and berate people if they liked it. I'm not into that, so I blew it off. And I didn't watch any of the other Iron Man stuff either. I didn't watch the Battle Royal. I never watch anything with Joey Ryan, okay? Good for Joey Ryan. He's carved out a little niche for himself. He's making a lot of money. Uh, He's found his little niche in pro wrestling. It doesn't mean I have to like him. And it doesn't mean that I think negatively. It just means I don't like what Joey Ryan does. I don't like watching Joey Ryan. So anything with Joey Ryan is an instant skip. Anything with this Iron Man title is an instant skip. Anything with this is an instant skip. So I skipped out of this. Unfortunately, I was going to say, you don't have a a whole lot left, unfortunately. But yeah, they did a pre-match video for the Iron Man that I thought was actually pretty funny because um, they kind of recapped what was going on with the Iron Man title, and I enjoy that stuff. Like you know, a piece of chicken winning the title kind of makes yeah, me the, chuckle. Yeah, the ladder bit, won it a few years ago. Yeah, and, and like you know that that stuff's kind of funny. Like but the cat yeah. won it a few years ago. <laughs> and, and the and the videos when Joey Ryan brought the belt to the United States and did all those uh, YouTube vid- uh, those uh, like uh, what are you whatever the all the Twitter videos that he did. Yeah, yeah, which were a complete rip off of what Chuck Taylor did a couple years ago. But shh, don't tell anybody. Um, I thought Poor Chuck. I, I thought a lot. I, no, I thought a lot of those were really funny. No, they were. They are. And I watched all of those, but I don't want that. I, when there's a fi- when I'm staring a five and a half hour wrestling show in the face, I can easily skip that stuff. Yeah, and like I said, that that pre match video was cool, and it, it was actually pretty long, and it kind of gave you an idea, like the last like seven champions or whatever, what led to the match. And I'm like, all right, cool, let's do this. And then I look and I see it's a 17 minute match. And I'm like, okay, let's see what's going on here. And it was like 10 minutes in, and I'm just like, please, just end. <laughs> like you know, not like once that actually gets going, and once it, a 20 minute comedy match is just a little too much, even though it's a battle royal, even though it's supposed to be for fun or whatever that's just too long i don't have that much time in my life like i'm sorry you know what i mean like i just couldn't do that so th- there was that, that that got me and then yeah i wasn't a big fan of the the, the lilico uh, uh dino match that you were talking about either that kind of just was there for me but um even the other matches that were really hyped i just didn't really not a whole lot you know kind of it, it didn't attach me i don't know what for whatever well, reason we're gonna bury all those matches but what i want to ask you first did you watch the dna opener I did, yes. I actually watch anything DNA. I mean, I love the DNA promotion. We've been doing a lot on VoicesWrestling.com as well. With uh, uh, Dylan's been writing great reviews uh, of the DNA shows coming out, and I've been kind of following because that is, in case you don't know what DNA is, uh, that's DDT's kind of developmental company, which is killing it. They have so much talent; they're exploding with talent. And there's one guy in particular that I know you're going to mention. That's what the whole setup here is. Who is just incredible and just screams superstar. Kazusada Higuchi. I'm telling you right now. The only thing that's going to stop this guy from being one of the biggest stars in wrestling is that he's in DDT. And that may not necessarily stop him because we've seen 
Kota Ibushi become one of the biggest stars in wrestling, as you know, despite being part of DC. We've seen what happened with Kenny Omega, even though he had to leave. Okay, you can still become one of the biggest stars in wrestling in DDT, and I think you know. But it, if you if you choose to just stay in DDT, it's obviously going to limit your upside. But this guy has every single thing you need. He's missing nothing. He's missing. He has every quality you need in a top. He has the presence. He has uh, the working ability. He's got the look. He's got the inten- he's got the intangibles. He's got when you look at this guy, Rich, and tell me if you feel the same way. Like when he's doing his ring walk in that robe, you just look at this guy and you're like, oh my god, this guy is a fucking superstar. He just feels different. He looks like Tenru, I think, is one of the he's things. The that somebody else mentioned that. Fitting image of Tenru yeah. at the same age, mm-hmm. and he, he not only he, he not only works like Tenru and carries himself like Tenru, he fucking looks like Tenru. He looks like a young Tenru, like in the face and the way the same stoic demeanor and the same working style. He the same sumo background. This man is Tenru reincarnated. It's like Tenru retires and he's reincarnated in this man. And I'll tell you, he was great two years ago or whatever when he was a rookie. And now he's another guy who's he's 27 years old. He's not as young as you think. So he's starting to – his body is mature now and he's filled out and he looks thick and he looks tough and he looks powerful. And everything is coming together for this guy right now. And everything about this man's aura just screams superstar. If this guy were in WWE or New Japan, he would be the talk of the wrestling world. He's that good. I urge everyone to go watch this guy, whether it's this show or his stuff in DNA. Because I, I – and on Twitter, I called him the Japanese Matt Riddle. That's the best compa- – except here's the difference. He has even more star presence than Matt Riddle does, and Matt Riddle comes off like the biggest star on any show that he's on. Any show you watch Matt Riddle on, he comes off like he's the biggest star. This guy has more of a star presence than Matt Riddle does. And it's a different kind of star presence, too. They're not the same at all, like in their style or the way they – but in terms of just that aura where you're like, oh, my God, I'm watching a star. He has more star presence than even Matt Riddle. And he's just as much of a prodigy because he has – I don't know what. He's got to have less than 200 matches under his belt. Oh, absolutely. He's only yeah, been I, wrestling I, I, since 2014, and, and you know, it was only a few matches. Yeah, and, let's see what's, and, what Cage Match has. I can't, I'd imagine he might be, he, shit, he might be under 100 even. He's an absolute prodigy. I, I, you know, 157 is what Cage Match yeah. has, and I think they're pretty reliable with that. So, yeah, he's got 157 matches on his belt entirely, which is just not a lot. When it comes to <laughs> at all. modern day Pearl, where everything is reported. October 2014. Sorry to interrupt. October for, uh, 2014 was his uh, debut. Yeah. And, and when it comes so. to modern day Pearl, where everything is reported, that if that says he has 157 matches, he has 100. That's exactly how many matches he has because that, that cage match is deadly accurate with the Pearl because the Pearl results are reported. You know, it's it, there's nothing. It's not like WWE where you can miss something here or there. You know what I mean? It's 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 all there. So he has under 200 matches, and he's so advanced. But the big thing about him is even if he wasn't a great worker, his presence and his aura are just there's no question. He had more. He has more star presence than anybody else on this show. Anyone else on this show? Anyone else in this company? Okay? And what they need to do quickly is graduate him from these DNA shows. It is time. Get this guy on the main shows and start pushing this guy to the fucking moon. And he needs to have about a 10-year feud with Tekashita. He needs to have about a 10-year That needs to be DDT's Okada and Tanahashi is what those two guys need to do. 
I, because it, it, he's this guy. Let me tell you something. I even went as far as to call him. If he would have been born 25 years earlier or whatever the fuck, he could have been the fifth pillar. He's that fucking good. You can plop him with Masawa, Kobashi, Kawada, and Taue, and he wouldn't have missed a beat. You plop him in 1989, all Japan, and he'd be a Hall of Famer right now. That's how good I believe this guy is. And I, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. No, we had a few people that, that, that reached out to us on Twitter that said, you know, hey, you know, I really don't watch DDT all that much. This is kind of one of my first shows. And this is before you even started tweeting out about it or, you know, of course, before we started talking about it here on the show right now. Uh, and we haven't talked about it much either on the show either. And we had somebody say, you know, this is one of the first times I've watched DDT. And, oh, my God, what's this Huguchi guy? What's all about? Like, and, and he only wrestled. I mean, he, this match was, what, six minutes long? He was in it for, I don't know, three or four minutes. You know, he, of course, got the finish or he got the win, which, again, that, that's a very significant thing there that he got the win. But, you know, he, he, four minutes minutes or so but the biggest like the guy walks through the curtain and immediately people are drawn to him there you, you just can't help but see it. and you, you'll see too if people are kind of on the fence or don't really get it watch the show and you'll see these other guys come down and and they're you know kind of dancing and kind of getting a feel of the crowd and they're like you know these you can tell they're kind of young and they're kind of doing and they're all good and, and they're he, all very good by the way oh and no the dna is just bursting with talent and then this guy just blows through the curtain in his little robe and just walks down very stoically just has a badass look on his face and you can just tell there's a different feeling with it. There's just a different look. There's a different tone. You can just see it right away. You see the look on his face. You see how he looks. You see like, again, the, the Tenru comparisons. If you're, if you're a big, you know, old school, all Japan fan, you will see it immediately and you go, Oh my God, this guy's great. And then he gets in the ring and he's fucking awesome. Like you said, he's just got extra power. He just kind of seems like, you know, he's got a little refinement to do here and there, but like he has just an aura about him that none of the other DNA guys have. And that's not, again, not a slight on any of the DNA guys, but he just feels like much more of a powerhouse, much more of just that superstar guy. And like you're saying, him and Takashita would be just an incredible thing because he's, they're, they're so different too that it would just be a perfect match of those two kind of feuding for forever. You know, like uh, that'd just be incredible. And he's a big kid. He's a big kid. You know, I think he's like six two. You're look. Are you looking at the cage match? I think you are. Right? Yeah, let me see. Let me see what his. Uh, I don't know if they'll have his height and weight. I think but he's about. He should it. on the main page. He's probably about six two, two thirty, two forty. Yeah, they got him at. They got him at six one, two twenty seven. Yeah, and he's put on some weight. I. Yeah, I put him. I put him probably about two thirty five, and somewhere around there. I mean, he's got definitely more muscle than two twenty seven. And I tell you what, now that WWE is global and 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 scouting, I mean, I'd be all over this fucking guy. I mean, because he's got the size that they like. Um, he's got the star aura and this is a guy you can mold, man. I'm telling you, I, I don't know if I'm, I, I can't be, I don't know if I'm higher on anybody right now than this guy. I'm, I'm, I think I'm higher on this guy than I am Riddle, but the, the difference is Riddle's going to, if Riddle, how do I phrase this? <laughs> if Riddle does the things he needs to do, right. Stop smoking marijuana. That's <laughs> what you're trying to say. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a hey. It's a, no. He. I mean, at UFC. Look, like that's the thing that. And I don't care. I don't. Either. They care. I don't. Either. They I care, either. obviously. And we know that Matt Riddle enjoys. I mean, come on. Look at his UFC Listen, run. We know that this guy likes that. But yeah, that's what he's got to cut out. I, I've, I've never touched the stuff, and I'm on team legalize it. So I don't. Yeah, I absolutely. I've never once touched and, it. But if somebody wants to tax it and legalize, it, I don't care. Yeah. Knock yourself you know, out. and it's it's. It, but but I mean, if he does the things he needs to do, Riddle will have the opportunities that Higuchi may not get. Simply if, if Higuchi chooses to be loyal to DDT for his entire career. Um, and, and, that, and assuming DDT doesn't grow from where they are. I mean, it's an, look, maybe him and Higuchi and, and, and Tekashita, you know, just set the fucking place on fire and, yeah, they, yeah, and yeah. they become the number one promotion in Japan. I mean, 
Who fucking knows? Because that's how these things happen, Rich, as you know. Like sometimes stars are just – this is a star-driven business and if you've got the biggest star, then you're all of a sudden you're the biggest dog on the block. Right, and DDC is healthy right now yes. anyway too. So it's not like it needs like a ton – you know, 15 guys to really get – it only needs a few guys to really light it on fire. I mean it's it's pretty well there at a certain point. So. You know, and in Japan we've seen different promotions pop ahead of other – you know, historically based on who has the hotter stars. And I mean – to me, this guy has the upside. This guy could be the biggest star in the world. He has that sort of potential. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. I think that's – he could be the – he has that sort of upside. There's no guarantee he gets there, but I am so – is it clear that I'm pretty high on this guy? I, I am very <laughs> high on this man. I wish you would just correct the subtlety and let us know what you really think of this guy. Like, let's let's get going here. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, great opener. Absolutely a must-watch match. for. I mean six minutes well, of your time. The match wasn't so hot, but it's like – it was fine. I, I thought it was okay. I mean, it's seven minutes. What are you, uh, you're not going to get much in the opener, but I think you'll get an idea of... I think you can tell, regardless of if you liked the match or not or thought it was really good or whatever, you get an idea of how talented he is and all those other guys in the ring as well. All the D- DNA guys. And, and again, watch those shows. If you have not watched those, they're for free on YouTube as well. DNA or DDT puts them up on their YouTube page for free to watch. We have reviews of all of them that come out as well. So if you want to kind of get a primer or read along as we you know, review it, Dylan and I said, um, or Dylan, uh, rather, he, he's doing great reviews of those. Go check them out because I think it's absolutely something that you want to get on the ground floor of these guys. Because like we're saying, it's it might be you know two of these guys and Takashita and, and and whoever that might light this entire company on fire. You know what I mean? Like that that absolutely. So because D- you're DNA into that. Is, if you're into, DNA is loaded. I mean, oh, it's absolutely. I mean, they, they have full shows and there's like seven guys and you're like all seven of those guys are great and they can be you know they can be you know bona fide main roster DDT guys and do well. And they're, I mean, and they're all kids just, and you really. None of them really have developed personalities yet and all that, but that's not the point of DNA. It's a developmental uh, Right, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how New Japan and their issues right now with yeah. <laughs> developing guys here in a bit, but yeah, you'll see. Uh, it's just, uh, they're just, yeah, they're brimming with talent. But I mean, he's so. 27. It's time to do something with him. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, you know, enough of just beating up these guys in openers and working DNA shows in front of 100 people in Shinjuku face, okay? Get this guy on the fucking main shows and push him because he's better than, than 99.9% of the guys in the company. Uh, a few other matches I want to talk about on this show here. Uh, Sato. Well, I don't know what you watched. What did you? I watched. I, I watched everything. Oh, you watched everything. All right, so let's just talk. About My eyes bled during lots of it, but I did watch all of it. So. All right, so let's do the All Japan Junior match. Okay. <laughs> do we have to? Well, I mean, it was an All Japan Junior Heavyweight Title match. I think it was at least newsworthy. I didn't like the match. Um, I didn't think it was a terrible match, but I thought it was disjointed at times. Uh, Soma Takeo defeated. The incumbent champion Hikaru Sato for the All Japan title. We talked about Sato earlier. This man has a horrendous look. Um, <laughs> People get so mad. I don't know why. He looks. He I, looks I like think an idiot. he needs to go see Ashley and get himself a hair, a proper haircut. That's number one. Okay. Uh, he. Can I go on my kick pads and no boots rant now? Because we got. Um. Yeah. Should we wait for Mike Bailey? Because I could do it to him. <laughs> I guess you could double dip today. I'll yeah. just get get it out of the way now. <laughs> Uh, it, this also applies to Mike Bailey as well. So warning, this also applies to Mike Bailey. All right, this continue. just irrationally bothers me. I don't – look, I don't mind when guys wrestle barefoot. I'll watch Kevin Von Erich barefooted up all fucking day long. Uh, you know, I don't mind when guys wear kick pads. I know a lot of people don't like the kick pads. They think it's very indie-rific. I, I, I think kick pads look kind of cool. I don't mind when guys wear kick pads. My problem, Rich, is when guys are barefoot – and wearing kick pads because it just screams geek at the VFW hall 
uh, wrestling down the street against the volunteer firemen. You know what I mean? Like that's the look that it fucking ha- – it reeks of I cannot afford boots. And I know that both of these men can afford boots. They're on a major league show here. The DDT Peter – DDT is a major league promotion and the DDT Peter Pan show drew 5,400 fans to Sumo Hall and it's a major league show. It's one of the biggest shows in Japan every year. It's easily one of the, I don't know, 20 biggest shows in the world every year. Is that fair? Is that being conservative? Uh, no, I think that's – yeah, I think it's definitely One of the 20 fair. biggest shows of the year. Okay. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it, it's like – and these guys look like indie geeks when you don't wrestle with boots and you're wearing the kick pads. That's an awful combination. I don't care that this guy's gimmick is that he's a shooter. Put on some fucking boots or take off the kick pads. It's got it can't, it's got to be both or it can't be one of the. It just drives me nuts. Rich, am I being irrational here? Um, no, I, I, I hit his hair more than the, uh, the, the no <laughs> boots of the kick pad, but you're not, it looks like, it just looks very low rent and, and it's just, I don't know. It, it, I, I kind of have the same thing too. And I don't know why I've never really quite understood why it, I, it, it pains me so much. Like I, I'm not as passionate as you, but it just, it just looks silly. I don't know. I, I it just looks low rent's perfect. India is perfect. It looks like a guy that's doing a karate gimmick on your like local indie or whatever. And it's just like an eye roll. And it, it's, yeah, I, I, there's no need for You know what what compounds the problem? Let's be honest here. DDT has a lot of indie riffic looking talent. And I think that just adds to it. I mean, DDT has a lot of guys on their shows who just they just they don't have a professional major league look. Um, we'll probably get some heat for that, but it's the truth. And I and I think um, you know a guy like that who who you know is is clearly has is not a minor league talent should look more professional. I don't know. It just bothers me. It doesn't bother me as much as the guys who are doing like the battle royal. I don't give a shit if there's some t-shirt wearing yarder in the in the battle royal. You know what I mean? That's like. That it's just a gimmicky comedy match. It's like I don't care that there's a 56 year old man singing "We Are the World" in the eight man tag. It's like, <laughs> which is a true thing that happened, by the way. In case it, it's like, because that's just a comedy eight man tag, and Lady Beard is in that match. So I mean, it's like, so if gorgeous Matsuno wants to sing, he can sing to his heart's content. Trans Am Hiroshi's in that match. I'm not taking it seriously to begin with. The problem <laughs> is when it's an All Japan Junior Heavyweight Title match. I am. I do want to take that seriously, and I see this guy who just – I'm spending way too much time on this guy without the boots. I just – I don't know why. It just drives me nuts. But the match just wasn't very good. I thought it was sloppy. I thought it was disjointed. Sato puts me to sleep. Um, I can never get into this guy. Um, his look probably has something to do with it. I'll be completely honest. This is an aesthetic business too. All those things matter, but his in-ring never connects with me. I don't know about you. He's just a guy that never really works for me. Yeah, there's just like, it seems like he's just kind of rolling around just to roll around. Like, he's just doing that kind of shoot style stuff. That's just like, I, I enjoy it when it's done well, but I just don't know that he really does it well. And I think a lot of people just like it because they like that style and they kind of assume that anytime anyone's doing, you know, shoot style stuff, it, it's cool and it's fun. But I don't know if he does it in any engaging way. It doesn't really make me, I mean, the match, it just kind of seems like a mean to an Yeah, He, had, he, had, he has no charisma. Right. He, he, it's, it, and I was going to make this mention that he reminds me of 
the worst parts of Timothy Thatcher that I hate that it's like, yes, I'm glad you can roll around. I'm glad you can do this. And I'm glad your stuff looks like it hurts and all sort of stuff. And I'm glad you have a background or whatever. But like, you got to do something to engage me. Like, I, I'm just sitting there waiting for something to happen. And I'm glad that you have a great looking arm bar on here. I'm really glad that you've, you know, you know, you got his leg work, you know, you're focused on his leg and doing, but you got to do something to get me engaged. Like, that doesn't engage me. And I don't think it engages anybody too, because it was crickets during this entire match until uh, Takao at the end, he got on his own little run and, and won the title. So yeah, to me, I, I, it was fine. It was okay, but it just was, I mean, at 17 minutes, it was just dragging and dragging and dragging. I just, I was ready for it to end and I was kind of glad when it did end. So Takao, he's a native DDT guy. So all Japan continues to have a relationship with all these various uh, promotions, which, which is very smart, very smart. That. And, uh, you know, this is a, he's a native DDT guy who I think is okay. You know, he's all right. He's nothing to, to, you know, uh, I'm not going to scream about him like Higuchi, that's for sure, but he's all right. And, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. Uh, you want to talk to Sasaki Endo and Togo Mike Bailey? Uh, let, the second most newsworthy match of this entire show. Let me see the next match that I actually watched. I was told not, I was specifically told on Twitter by many people, do not watch the Nosawa match <laughs> that had great Kabuki in it. Now, do you watched it? Uh, I, I tapped out halfway through. Okay. So yeah, that, that's, a, <laughs> you're good. That's a you're thing right. that happened. Um, and then, uh, I also skipped. Yes. That great Kabuki. Same one. <laughs> yeah. And then I watched pretty much the rest of the show. Um, the next match was, uh, that we're going to talk about is Daisuke Sasaki and Tetsuya Endo over Dick Togo and Mike Bailey, a match that many people are calling a borderline match of the year contender. I saw, forget who it was, give it about four and a half stars. People love this match. Rich, I didn't like this match at all. Yeah, I just kind of thought it was disjointed and kind of sloppy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just didn't quite. It just didn't connect with me on any level. And I, I, I'm somebody who I, I waver on Mike Bailey. Sometimes I like him. Sometimes I don't. I did not like him in this match. I just thought he seemed really out of place, really sloppy. And Dick Togo too. I love like the, the persona of Dick Togo, and I like. But even in this match, he just seemed. I don't know. There was an aura to him that just seemed like very sloppy. And I know that's kind of what he does sometimes. But for whatever reason, in this match, I, I on paper it looks like it should have been just awesome. And when it was over, it was just. I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was too sloppy, too disjointed. I really didn't get anything from it. It was over, and it just immediately left my brain uh, seconds after it. So. This is going to hurt me. This is going to hurt my soul. I love Dick Togo. I love him. Like, one of my favorite wrestlers ever. He was not good in this match. And I know that he took about four or five years off. I know he's just getting his feet back in the water. I know that he's 48 years old or whatever it is. Um... But I think you nailed it. His presence will always be there. He has that uh, awesome charisma. Uh, this was not a great performance and, and, and by Dick Togo or, or really anybody in this match. I thought Tetsuya Endo, who I love, I, 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 over the years, I mean, sort of, you know how some guys come up together and they're always joined at the hip? Um, uh, Kai and Sonata are a good example, right? Like it's always been Endo and Tekashita, right? They were a tag team. Uh, they've come up together, and I always preferred Endo when everyone else was Team Takeshita, and you know, I was always an Endo guy, and he was disappointing in this match. He just did nothing to jump off the page, right? Like, I, like Endo, like ever since he's come back from the injury he had a couple years ago, he just he's not jumping off the page anymore. And I don't know if it's that, you know, the, the turn or, or the different character that he's doing. He just he didn't do it for me here, and um, you know, not that he was bad, he just didn't stand out. And he's a guy who always stood out for me, and. Uh, you know, Daisuke Sasaki, he's just a guy to me. Um, but Mike Bailey, like you, he's never, you know, Speedball's not a guy that connects with me like he does with other people. I look, 
I will defend my flippy do guys till I'm blue. Now, you know, I defend the flippy do guys. And I could even accept some sloppiness with the flippy do guys. I like my flips. I got no problems with flippy do guys. Mike Bailey, though, if I got to see one more Mike Bailey corkscrew flip where he lands on the guy's calves, I, I, I just I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Mike Bailey just isn't very good. I mean, he's he's sloppy. Um, he, he does these dives and he does these these wacky flip, but he lands nowhere near the opponent half the time. And again, I'm someone who's an apologist for that stuff. I can overlook because I recognize that these flippy guys, what they're doing is very difficult. Okay. And, and I can, and I can look the other way if they, you know, kind of blow a, a spot here that this guy just, he just, he does these things and lands on people's feet. I mean, yeah, and it also just seems like really baseless what he's doing. You know what I mean? And, and like people are going to laugh because, oh, it's coming from you guys and you love the flippy again. But like n- he just seems like he's doing corkscrews just to do it. You know what I mean? Like there's just no purpose to any of his high flying. It just doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason to it. He's just kind of doing it to do it. And, and and like you're saying, even when he does it, it doesn't land properly. It doesn't look good. And it's like, all right, well, I'm glad you, you know, you did seven corkscrews in the air, but then you landed on the guy's you know, heal. Like, I don't care. It's, it's stupid. I love my favorite Mike Bailey matches. And I, I think, um, this is kind of what a lot of people is, is Bola. I believe it was last year when he had a few, I think it was against Chris hero. He had a bunch where he was just this little guy that was getting his shit kicked in, but just would not give up, would not give up, would not give up. And he, and it's one of my favorite matches the entire year. I believe it was him against, against hero that I just absolutely adored. Those are like the Mike Bailey matches that I really liked. And that's what my first real, intro to him was those matches and i went okay cool i like this guy and the more i've watched him the more i've watched him i'm just like ah, he's just not my thing like and again like you said we're kind of the, the number one fans of like flippy do dudes but he doesn't really do it all that well you know <laughs> like he's a dollar store flippy do like he's got some presence to him and he has some charisma and i know people like does he now. i don't I know think, he's yeah. got a gi on he looks like a wearing a bathrobe to the, the gi is i know you don't i know you don't <laughs> like the gi i know you don't like the gi you're, see i don't like any gis i hate gis you're a guy who but. doesn't like mma you don't give a shit about legitimate fighting you're, you so the gi just you, you that's a turn off to you um the gi doesn't bother me um, he wears a gi and then all he does is like kind of mild like bad kicks well, yeah and that's I, it. he's supposed to be karate man but you know he has his he sucks at kicking <laughs> I, I look i don't know i'm just look I, I, I'm trying to be nice here and sort of look. I've always been anti Mike Bailey. I got buried on Twitter a couple times for saying that I wasn't a big Mike Bailey guy because he's got some ardent fans. Um, I've just he's never really connected with me. I, I didn't. The thing is, I thought like he worked very hard in this match. He did a lot of ambitious things and he really did bust his ass. Um, it, you know, but and and I felt bad for him because you know Togo just fucking killed him with that accidental chair shot and busted his head open. And then he had to finish the match with 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 his head busted open, which you know a, you know you know good on him. I mean that had to concuss him. I mean to describe the spot, and I know there's there's gifs all over the place, but uh, Togo was breaking up a Togo was teaming with Bailey, and uh, he he broke up a pin by hitting you know whoever was covering Bailey in the back with the chair, but he overshot with the chair and just crushed Bailey's face with the chair accidentally. And, you know, Bailey, his just reaction was like, oh, fuck. And he's just covered in blood. from. from yeah, thing. and I think he had his eyes closed, too, if I remember correctly. I, I, I was looking at the GIF, and I, I like, I, Bailey, had, I mean, Bailey had no idea that was coming in the first place because he thought that that would. But to even, like, imagine that. I mean, you're just laying on the ground. All of a sudden, you, you can't really even see because the guy's on top of you, and a fucking chair just hits you in the corner, like, the crown of the head. To, it, oh, it was sick. Not, it was not a good night for Dick Togo all around. I mean, and that was kind of the exclamation point on what I thought was, you know, kind of a sloppy match. 
Um, and, 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 you know, uh, it just, it's, I don't know. It was, it, I don't know. I, a lot of people loved it though. So maybe give it a shot. Maybe, you know, it'll be your thing if you haven't watched the show yet. Um, because we seem to be the outliers. I was surprised when you were talking about it earlier today and you sort of were negative on it. Cause, um, at that point I thought I was, I was pretty much the only person that was negative on this match. So, uh, there we are sharing a brain again when it comes to that tag. Uh, then we got uh, Ken Oka Kai, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, KOD Tag Team Championship match. They are the champions defending against Hiroshima and Mia Yama. Uh, was it Mia uh, Miyamoto? Miyamoto, yes. Yeah. Uh, Hir- Hiroshima wins. Um, so you got the champions. They fall in their first defense, and Hiroshima and Miyamoto become the 56th champions of the KOD Tag Team titles. That's what we mean. Again, like you know how you can't really take the titles that serious. Like they're now up to their 56th. Uh, tag champions. So the thing of, just give the thing it. about this match is I would have skipped it if Hiroshima wasn't in it. Um, but I love him and he's great, and I'm I'm not going to skip him on a big show like this. And when he's in a big match, excuse me, when he's in a big match, uh, because I've had it with Kai and that geek and that geek <laughs> with his painted jeans. And I want to talk about him. I so badly want to talk about him coming up pretty soon, but we'll we'll get to it. He's he's in a bouncing around Japan segment, but yes, yeah, he, I mean he's to the fullest degree. I, you know, Kai just stinks, and he's not any good in the ring, and the gimmick is terrible. And Ken Oka is doing the same gimmick now, and they're doing their dumb jumping jacks outside the ring. Oh, the jump- <laughs> it's so cringe. <laughs> Did you watch? Okay, I know, this is for the bouncing around Japan, but I, I, I do want to mention it now because you mentioned the jumping jacks. You watched uh, the Russell one match between him and Anaba where he lost the title, right? I did. So they do that jumping jacks thing to walk out to the ring. One person is doing it with them, and then they stop in front of a child who's booing them, and then they get in the yes, ring. Yes, it was hilarious. It was they did it like a pan, like it's almost like WWE does that, like you, you know the the pan when some guys, you know, whatever it is, whoever it is, like it's, a lot of times they'll do it when there's a promo going on. Like they pan the crowd, and nobody is doing. There's one person. Hey, that one that one lady was having the time of her life. Oh no, she had her Kai shirt on, and she was like, "Yeah, let's go." So she was having the night of her life. <laughs> so there's that one person out of the whatever crowd was there. I don't know, six hundred, whoever the hell was there. One person cared. You, they pan the crowd. Nobody else is doing it. Nobody's booing. Nobody's moving. Nobody's clapping. Nobody's doing anything while they're doing jumping jacks. That one lady is loving it. And then they pan to a child who's like 10 years old that's booing them. And then Kai and Oka do jumping jacks in front of him as he continues to boo them. And then they just get in the ring. And I was just like, good God. Here's my question. How can you not boo that? It's so cringe. <laughs> why would you like and that? Yeah, I, mean. I don't it's, know why. It's, his gimmick is so – it's minor league. It's minor league. And we mean like jumping jacks. He like dances to his music, but he like – I'm trying to think of a comp of like an American comp that would work. I don't think there is one. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird. It's hard to describe. Like, no way it, it's got like a, I don't. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a No Way Jose if like nobody cared about his song and he just did it to yeah, himself. But yeah, No Way Jose is over. Right, and people chant his music. But like – yeah, I guess, I, I guess a No Way Jose where like one person in full sail does it with him. Yeah, and it doesn't have the energy of the conga line, and because it doesn't even have the energy either. It's just like these, like two dudes, or in that case, there was like three guys just like jumping. There's no <laughs> it's so energy. weird. I can't even. Like, There's no energy, no matter what promotion he's in, no matter what it's, and he looks like an absolute geek. He's he's he's, he's basically Dean Ambrose if Dean Ambrose's jeans were painted, like with letters or I guess they're are those kanji letter I don't even know if it's English or kanji or whatever. but it's like he, he he looks like he just got off of his day job painting houses 
and now he's, he's a, and now he's coming here to. He's like he's in college and he just does this to pay off his college debt or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just and and his career has just you know spiraled into the fucking. It's circling the drain. This is not working. Um, I I, I don't know, and he he just stinks. His matches stink. His matches are just so lifeless. You know, that's the only word I can come up with for for Kai. He's just lifeless. And, you know, I brought up Sonata before, and, and it's like, compare the – like, Sonata is doing the world's coolest fucking gimmick right now. And and he just, you know, and, and, he, and he just – he's coming off so great and like a future superstar. And Kai is doing jumping jacks wearing a dirty fucking uh, sleeveless T-shirt. I mean, it's just, it's just astonishing how the career paths have gone in such opposite directions. Uh, but yeah, this match was a fucking bore fest, even with Hiroshima. Uh, I like uh, the, the Smile Yankees team with Hiroshima and Miyamoto, but mm-hmm. they could not overcome the dreadful, lifeless, boring, minor league, utter shit that is Kai and Ken Oka. How's that for a burial? That's that's got it, and then that's it. That's DDT Peter Pan. Oh yeah, I guess that's it, right? Because yeah. then there was the main event, and um, and you know you're not going to go over all the Iron Man stuff. Look, I look disclaimer: I didn't watch anything that we didn't talk about. Okay, so everything that we reviewed is everything that I watched. So I didn't see. I only saw about I saw about an hour and a half of the show because this thing was fucking five and a half hours long. I thought it was a very disappointing show. Um. And, and the least interesting Peter Pan that I I can't even recall the last. I, this might be my least favorite Peter Pan show I've ever seen. You saw the whole show. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I kind of go up there too because I think, and that's one of the reasons why we do watch it every single year because it always delivers. And, and I do kind of keep an eye on DDT, and I'll watch DDT from here, you know, here and there. But absolutely every single year I watch the Peter Pan because I usually enjoy it. It's usually one of my favorite shows. Uh, the big thing that got me into it a few years ago is when you know they had those New Japan guys come over. You had Okada one year. You had Tanahashi come in one year. Uh, and do it stuff, uh, you know, that the Abushi uh, Okada match from a few years ago was just incredible. It just, they did a really good job of, of kind of always making that DDT show feel important. And this one felt important, but when it was over, I was just like, no, nah. <laughs> it just, it, it did. There was something about it, it just did not reach the level of those other Peter Pans, which I, I've always thought is a very good all around show and a really good showcase of DDT and all the talent they have and the, the diversity of the roster. And I think you kind of got that to an extent where you got an idea that, okay, there's some comedy, but there's some really good guys that can work. But yeah, by and large, just the work on the show was just I, I don't know it just didn't click for me and and you know a lot of the guys they brought in you know guys from other promotions or whatever just didn't yeah it, it just didn't do much for me uh, on this particular Peter Pan show it was awesome the main event is incredible yeah absolutely watch the opener uh and, and watch the main event because I think you're gonna get a lot out of those the rest you know if you got an extra four and a half hours that you have nothing to do with uh, you can watch it then but yeah I just into, don't know if, if, you're, into that, if you're into that comedy watch us but here's the th- well, yeah and a lot of people thing, really if, love this if show if people yeah. are into that stuff they don't need us to tell us to watch it though no, they know. They know it's a right, great show. So, and, and I heard a lot of people love this show and thought it was a show of the year and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's just different strokes for, for different people. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's absolutely what it is. And for you and I, we're, we're kind of looking at the in-ring and kind of going from that aspect. So, yeah, this wasn't the better Peter Pan from that aspect because a lot of times you do get these incredible matches top to bottom. But this was just kind of led by one main event, which – and even then, like if you really don't get into the story of the main event, I could see you not even liking that match. I, though, enjoy that story, but I could see somebody getting mad that it's not like an epic back and forth. You know, it's Ishikawa just kind of beating the shit out of of Takashita for most of the match. So I could see people getting upset by that as well. A lot of the guys I liked were put in positions where I wasn't going to like them. Like Kudo Mm -hmm. was in an early, you know, tag match that I skipped. 
Um, you know, Harashima was in there with. That's actually, uh, you know, I forgot to mention that match. That's not a bad one as well. I didn't see it. It was good. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch it, but it, it was solid. It was pretty good. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like Harashima was stuck with Kai and Kanoka, and Endo was sort of in that tag match where that I thought it was just things were falling apart and it was sloppy. So there was a lot of guys that I like. A lot of the DDT roster that I like were just put in positions where I it just didn't work out. So um, eh, I don't know. All right, Joe. Now I ask you. You ready to bounce around Japan? I'm pumped up. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we'll bounce around Japan here. Joe, where do you want to start? We got a bunch of stuff here. Ah, listen. I uh, we're we're gonna bounce and I'm gonna let you be the captain. Okay. Maybe that I could will... be your moniker from now on. You know? <laughs> captain Creech, right? I mean, it could be like here uh, you know, I am the king of banter, Joe Lanza, internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, the most compelling man in wrestling media, and I'm here with the captain. The Captain Creech. How about that? Captain Rich, what do you think? Sort of like We'll let it we'll let it stew. We'll see what other people sort of think. So like Captain right Mike Rotunda. Remember that? Oh yeah. yeah little, was... The only thing he changed was he put on a little like boat captain hat. And he had a little anchor on his tights, so all of a sudden he was a captain. But it was like it was like the smallest anchor ever, too. That was my favorite part of those entire tights. Is like they found like the smallest anchor like sticker in the world and put it on his tights. And we're like, all right, captain. It was almost like he was sheepish about being a captain, right? Like he didn't want to be it, but they're like, yeah, be a captain. And he was like, "Eh." and they're like, here, put a put the the anchor on your okay, whatever. And like, yeah, just put a hat on, and nothing else changed. Like he just came out to the ring, had a hat on, took the hat off, and everything was exactly the same. But that uh, was was Mike Rotunda's way with the little anchor of saying, I don't know how to drive a boat, guys. Like this is totally just a gimmick i have no clue how to how to how to how to drive or anchor a boat so yeah you could be captain Krach. are you all right that works are you a big boat guy do you take it out on lake michigan and fuck um and believe it or not no joe no the uh, voices wrestling paychecks do not allow me to afford a boat so i do not i have actually mm, pretty much never been on a boat so You've never been on a boat i mean i've been like on a boat but never like I've never had it. I don't have a friend that's like, hey, do you, what are you doing this weekend? Let's go out on the boat and like fish or drink. Like, I've been on a boat, like a ferry to like go places or like a boat to like go to another. Like, yeah, I've never been just like having fun on a boat, if that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I live a horrible existence. So, all right. Triple ah, A. Very hard on yourself just for never yeah. being on a boat. I mean, I'm... well, I, you know, why don't I know anybody who owns a boat? I, I think I fucking. Did I just like. I think I Daniel Bryan missed you with this boat thing. You're very uh, no, touchy I mean, about Michelle, the boat thing. The nurse and I had a discussion about this when we were in Chicago on Saturday because we're looking out and it's a beautiful day and we're looking out at the water and there's just boats everywhere. People are everywhere and I just go, you know, I have a lot of friends and they all have, like, I know lawyers, I know accountants, I know engineers and, like, I have, I have a pretty successful group of friends. You know, I have teachers, I know, you know, nobody owns a boat. Not one person owns a boat. Can I just get one to own a boat? Because I want to be on the boat. I, I that would be the greatest thing in the world. Just go out on a boat, you know, take the shirt off, show off the physique, you know, that I worked very hard on, right. and, and just sit on a boat. That's all I want to do all day. I am speechless right now. I had no idea you had boat angst like this. This it is, is crazy. This reminds me of when I was like eight, and I went up to my dad and I said, "Dad, how come you don't have any guys?" And he was like, "I don't know what you mean." I said, "Well, like, who's our lawyer?" And he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean, who's our lawyer? I'm like, how come we don't have a lawyer? And he's like, Joe, I don't know. I don't understand. He's like, I'm like, well, when I watch TV, like, you'll see people say, I'm going to call my lawyer. Like, who's our, who's our lawyer? And he had to explain to me, like, well, we're not in any trouble. We don't need a lawyer. There's no reason to have, a, like, a lawyer. Like, I, he's like, uh, I don't have a lawyer, like, on retainer. Like, I'm not Donald Trump. You know, I'm not like it. And then I was like, how come we don't have a travel agent? 
And he looked at me like I was nuts. He's like, what do I need a travel agent for? I, I, was, like, I was like, dad, you don't have any guys. I'm like, we don't have a travel agent. We don't have a lawyer. These are the questions an eight-year-old Joe was very confused yeah. by. And you're like the same way. Like, why don't I have a friend with a boat? Like, where's my boat? Or like a beach house. How sweet would that be to have a friend? It's like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing this Labor Day weekend, Rich? Nothing. Oh, do you want to come to my lake house? You know, I would love to. No. So no friends with a boat, no friends with a lake house. No, and they're like, they all have like successful jobs. Like I feel like, but it's, you know, we don't, we don't even make any money anymore. Why don't you buy a lake house? Yeah, the hell am I getting, where am I getting money to buy a lake house, Joe? I, you just bought a fucking property. Yeah, I don't have any more money. That's the it, point. You know. It, it, I cashed out. I'm done. I'm done forever. Do you have a travel agent? No, hell no. Do they exist anymore? I think. Uh, they do. Yeah, I've heard, you know. Are there people who do that job or is this is like you go to Expedia and you book your own shit? I, that's what I do. Um, I think my parents might have went to one. You know, that like, makes a that lot of sense because your parents are yeah. like in their 60s and they would go to a travel agent, right? Like I told them, like I just go to like, and they know about Priceline, but they like get weird out by it and they're not, they don't trust it. So they're like, no, we're they're going to steal it. my social security number. <laughs> right, exactly. So they like, you know, they, they go to a travel agent who will also steal your social security number. <laughs> right, what's the difference? Who's just as likely to steal your social security number yeah, as right. the travel agent. So uh, people are going to be very upset. So let's let's do a reset here. Joe, are you ready to bounce around Japan? I am ready to bounce around Japan. AAA is going to Japan, Joe. AAA, the Mexican promotion, has announced that they will be holding a show in Japan October 26th at Corican Hall in Tokyo. The event is being dubbed as Lucha Libre AAA Japan Tour Star Battle Japan 2016. It's gonna the announce talent. It's gonna oh, go it's ahead. gonna be a happening. Give me this talent. They're <laughs> going bananas. The announced talents to be involved at this time are Rey Mysterio Jr., Pentagon Jr., Brian Cage, Taya, Psycho Clown, and Aki Bono. Then there will be several promotions in Japan that will be working alongside AAA from Zero One, Noah, Wave, Oz Academy, and of course, Akibono's Odo promotion. Yeah, I mean they're gonna need that, obviously. I you know, CMLL obviously has a following in Japan thanks to New Japan connections and they the shows air over there and now they air on New Japan World and all that. I don't know what kind of a following AAA has in Japan. Probably not much of one. I mean, I could be totally off on that because I'm kind of... Well, there was that Pentagon Jr. Uh, who was he against? There was that match in Cork and Hall that was him and who the hell was it? And it was like the most random match ever. They're like, hey, here's Pentagon Jr. and Cork and Hall. I was like, what the hell? What? Was that for the Aki Bonus promotion? I don't remember. I don't even... I think it was. I'm almost positive it was. Let me, let me find that out as you're, as you're kind of working your yeah, way through this. Yeah, because I mean, I, I don't... You'd think that Ray Jr. would be some type of a draw anywhere, right? I mean, so that might work. But, you know, obviously the Akabono connection and he'll bring in some uh, native Japanese talent. And uh, let's do an over-under on attendance and both go on the record. Rich, I'm going to give you an over. First of all, do you think it'll be the small setup or the big setup? I think they're going to do the big setup, right? I think they're going to go the big here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, just you know, just to not interrupt, uh, Akibono, it was the uh, Odo, uh, the beginning. This is uh, April 20th. It was Pentagon Jr. Uh, and Phoenix. And they wrestled for who? The Akabono and Corganel? Yes, yeah. This was a AAA slash Lucha Underground offer who else match. Was, oh, so. an offer match. So they, they were the only yeah. two guys on it? Uh, they were, yeah, they were it. Did, Otherwise, it was a bunch of freelancers. You know, Dashi Hashimoto, uh, let's see, Inoue was there. No, Sao out of the question was in there. Kendo Kashin. Like, your, your usual guys. You got to dig up. Grimy like, group. No, yeah, no, no high 69 on this one, though, I don't think. Well, high 69 uh, is disappointing. And then, oh, the main event, Akibono, Taiokea, and uh, Hama versus Tanaka, Sakamoto, and Okabayashi. That, that probably sounded pretty Big cool, except event. for that other team. What that show draw? Uh, I do not have a number in front okay. of me. Let me see if I can find it, though. So but. let's do – here's the over-under for AAA in yeah. Cork and Hall. The over-under, Rich, 
is 1200 fans and I'm going to make it I'm going to make it 1200.5 in case they announce 1200. So we'll throw half a fan on the end over or under 1200.5. I think we'll go under. I'm going to go to make it It really depends who those other guys it are. It does. To make it interesting, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. So I, th- I think 1,200 get... is a fair number, though. Yeah, I can't get an attendance number for that ah, first right. row of the show. So. <sighs> yeah, Mysterio's got to have something still, right? Yeah, some panache, right? When was the last time he was in uh, Japan? It's gotta, yeah, it's real. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm starting to think. I guess it really depends how – and I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I guess it really depends what cachet Mysterio still has over there because I could see that being a big deal. I mean, of course – uh, you know, yeah, I'm trying to find out the last time he was in Japan. And maybe if you are a CMLL fan, you'll say, yeah, this is Lucha, and it's got Ray Jr. That's true, yeah. Give it a shot, you know? The Fantastic Mania shows do a nice job in that building. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe 1200's low. I'm going to go over. Yeah, last time Japan was 2012 with WWE. Ah, that, that uh, doesn't count. So he's yeah, not, last non-WWE one, God, geez. It might be like J-Cup in 95. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like yeah. Okay, so 1996, December 1996, J-Crown title, Ultimo Dragon defeats Rey Mysterio oh at war at a wrestling romance show. Wow. All right, all right. I'm starting to... Oh, man, does he still have that ca- I don't know if Ray has that I don't know his, yeah. Maybe they don't give a fuck about him anyway. I don't know, but I would think that they, they would. I mean, he's been a worldwide star all this time. I guess it'll really depend. I guess one of the good things with this is that they're going to be able to grab guys from all those different promotions so they can find guys. Because we've seen a lot of those sort of vanity things, like, you know, your fortune dreams or whatever, you can't go by, or even this, uh, the Royal Road, which I remember, I think I remember having a good crowd. I don't have the number in front of me. That you can grab a bunch of these guys and people see these as kind of super shows. So they do go to these a lot more so than they do, you know, the 15th run of, you know, uh, Noah at, at Cork in that month or whatever, you know, that's a big difference of this, like, you know, one show big, you know, we got a bunch of these guys. So yeah, I guess that's a conservative. Yeah. I, I'm still going to go under, but I would not be shocked if it, if it did go, you probably have Sekimoto and all those guys on the show too. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys always seem to pop up no matter what. I, so, you know, who knows, you know, Kendall caution will be there for sure. He's got nothing else to do. Oh, no so. question. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, no, so out of the question. He'll do yeah. <laughs> There's no question that no, so out of the question will be there as well. Without so a go. doubt. Yeah. yeah. All right, Joe, um, next stop on our bounce around Japan. Well, let's talk New Japan here a little quick, a little bit. So big news coming out. Uh, Michael Elgin will officially be defending his uh, IC belt. He, New Japan, was smart enough to say, no, 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 Michael Elgin's got a title defense. So we don't want to announce this as a title match until he wins his title defense. Well, he won it. Now they officially announced that he will defend the IC belt against Naito on the September 25th show in Kobe. Joe, I'm going to ask you any chance in the world that Elgin loses that title to Naito. Sure. Okay. Sure. Would it? Do you call it likely that he loses that title to Naito? Uh, yeah. It's weird. Yes. Do you have Naito lose? Yes. Like, yes, it is likely that he loses. Yeah, like Naito doesn't lose, right? What is the – that's one of the three destruction shows, right? It is, yes. Yeah. Which we'll get into in more detail. It's uh, main eventing, week. and, it, does, and it, it has very little support. But, yeah, we'll go through those in detail. Those are very, three very interesting shows, the way they're structured and, and who they're counting on to draw and all those sorts of things, which we're not going to do this week. But, yeah, I think Naito can win that match, yeah, and I think he probably will win that match. Uh, other news, uh, Adam Cole will be putting his ROH world title belt up against Will Ospreay. That's in the 922 show in Hiroshima. You know, the, my takeaway from that, I'll tell you. Will Ospreay is not getting any kind of mega push from New Japan if you really break it down, okay? 
aside from winning the Super J Cup, if he, if he hadn't won that Super J Cup, I mean, look, he's definitely losing this match. He's, t- he's, he's getting pinned clean in the middle in this match by Adam Cole. There's no question about it. He's lost to Kushida, what, two times? Three, two times, right? He's lost to Kushida. Uh, t- yeah, two times he wrestled him. Uh, what else has he done besides win the J-Cup? They've done nothing to like push him to the moon in any other way. He's going to lose this match. Um, this guy loses a lot of high-profile matches. They're not handing him anything on a silver platter in New Japan. They know they have him for two years, and this is sort of a slow sort of build here. Remember when they first signed him, uh, we were saying, shit, we, we probably, he, I thought he'd have the junior title by now. But they're not really doing that with him. It's more of a slow burn with Willow Spray. And I don't have a problem with that either. All right, we're going to talk about Lionsgate here a little bit later, but I want to bounce uh, to another spot here real quick. And I want to talk about Wrestle 1. We mentioned a little bit about Kai uh, a little bit before I mentioned that match that I watched against Inaba, Daiki Inaba, who's 28 years old and won the title over Kai uh, at a Wrestle 1 show uh, earlier in the month. And I just wanted to kind of talk about what <laughs> the, the geek level of Kai. So here's a guy who, okay, he loses that title. In a match that would you? The match was pretty bad, right? I thought such it was bad. a dry match. I was okay. I watched it right before we we did this show, and I was struggling to get through this match. I badly wanted to fast forward it just to get it over with. Not a good match. So this was August 11th that he lost this match. Uh, we're just kind of catching up here in this bounce round. So uh, they had an interview with Kai. He said, following his loss, uh, this is from PariseOfSpirit.com, uh, following his loss over the now super rookie of the promotion, uh, Inaba, Kai stated that he will not suffer defeat again as he looks to reclaim the belt. Oh, please do not. I would, I would beg you not to <laughs> reclaim the belt. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's how big of a geek this fucker is. So Kai won his first Russell 1 championship March 8, 2015. He held the belt for 24 days. He had zero successful defenses. He lost to Hideki Suzuki in a match that we, on April 1st, 2015, remember, we, we loved this match. Because Suzuki beat his ass and then tapped him on the head. Remember that? It was a squash, and then he gave him the little boy pat on the head after yeah, the match. Nice awesome job. Bye-bye. Great stuff. Go away. Yeah. And that's the story of Hideki Suzuki. He's either the greatest fucking man alive, or he fucking sucks. There's never an in-between with this guy. In that match, he was the greatest man alive. Well, he follows us now, so hopefully uh, he doesn't listen to the show. But I don't think he knows a any amount of English, so I don't think he's going to listen. But uh, anyway, so yeah, he went on to a great run where you know he held the title for 100-plus days, two successful defenses. He loses to Kai, July 12, 2015. Kai holds it for now, hold 71 Hold on now. Days. You're skipping something very important here. As much as we loved Suzuki's win over Kai, do you remember how awful Kai's win over Suzuki yes, was? Yes, they were horrendous. That yes. was terrible. He gave him like the frog splash to zero reaction <laughs> right. the crowd. Hideki Suzuki just rolled out of the ring and got the fuck out of there. He didn't put over that he was damaged at all. He completely no-sold it. Remember how we buried that match for, that was for awful. a good yes. 45 minutes on this show because here was Kai again, even in victory, looking like a complete and total geek. So, Joe, he held the title for 71 days. I want you to guess how many successful defenses he had. I believe he had zero. He had zero because Manabu Soya then uh, became the next champion. I believe uh, it was. Did they have to do a tournament at some point during that? Why do I remember Soya? No, Soya just beat him, right? Uh, Soya. Why well, no? Yuji Yuji Hino. He got it after Soya. Okay, because I really loved the the, uh, the Yuji Hino run. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can pull it up for you. Like, yeah. Well, either way, the, the point is, so, so Manawa Soya then wins the title. He holds it for 111 days, two successful defenses. Uh, Yuji Hino next has the title, 115 days, two successful defenses. If you're getting the theme here, now Kai wins the title, again, from Yuji Hino. He holds it May 4th, 2016. He holds it for 99 days, 
He, again, has one successful defense and then loses it again here. What a goddamn geek this guy is. And, like, stop giving him the title. Like, if you're not going to do it, like, I, I don't get what the thing is with Kai. They give the man the title. He loses it. Nobody cares. He doesn't want to have any successful defenses. He's terrible. And then they just – he gets off the title. Everyone goes, oh, thank God Kai doesn't have a title anymore. And then the fucker gets the title again. Uh, Soya just beat Kai and actually – Okay. I remember that. That was a pretty good match, to be fair. I, I enjoyed okay. that match. Well, and then I enjoyed everything Hino did with the title. Right, because Hino's good. Hino's is. awesome. So. And then, uh, yeah, so Kai has had three title reigns with one successful defense. <laughs> so the booking doesn't help him. No. The booking doesn't help him in any regard. But the thing is, it's not like he lights the world on fire. This is right. I almost think they're protecting him by now because he just sucks so much. <laughs> like the crowd hates him; they don't care, and he just comes out to no reaction. Like I almost kind of wonder if they're just like they don't want to put him out there because he's just. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is with him. I have no clue what they're doing. Here's yet. the other problem with this company: they've never had a champion have more than two successful defenses. So they sort of just bounce this title around. They give it to outsiders. You know, you see Hideki Suzuki come in. You see Yuji Hino come in and have a little run. But no one has more than two successful defenses. You think about the Wrestle 1 title since this company began. Who, like, who's the guy you think of as the Wrestle 1 champion? Like, like who, who, who do you associate with that title? I associate no one. Because no one ever holds the thing for longer than three months, and they never have memorable title defenses. I, I forgot who the first champion was, actually, until I pulled up this graph. I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Kono. Yeah, right. I completely forgot about that. I mean, he didn't have any successful defenses. <laughs> he won a tournament to become the inaugural champion and then held it for 24 days before Keiji Muda beat him. And it's like... The guy who runs the company. <laughs> and unfortunately, the guy you would probably associate with this title is Kai. And, he's, and he hasn't been good. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like it's in his title matches. I mean, you know, aside from, uh, you know, Suzuki, you know, totally carrying that one match where he squashed him. You know, the matches where he wins the titles are never impressive. And this title loss to Inaba was just it was the definition of just a match. This was not a good start to Inaba's run. Um, if history shows is not going to fucking matter because he's almost had it a month already. And which means he's going to lose it soon. Um now, the show itself, I think, drew 2,000 fans in Yokohama. The 811 show. I don't have it. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. But uh, Hold on. Yeah, 1,900. Okay, that's not 1,900 bad. fans in Yokohama. But remember, Kota Ibushi was on this show. That helps. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, and it's almost like Kota Ibushi's a draw, Joe. Are you uh, making any sort of hot take here about Kota Ibushi and being a draw? I mean, is that um, even a hot take anymore? But I mean, it's like, so Kota Ibushi was on the show. He wrestled Jiro, our boy Jiro. I'll tell you, my two, <laughs> my two favorite people in this company are Andy Wu and Jiro. I don't know how you feel. Those are my two favorite guys. Uh, they gave Andy Wu a semblance of a push. He was the cruiserweight champion for a little while. Then Katero Suzuki sort of took that uh, division over. He actually lost the title on this show too to uh, Kodama in a match that was okay. Um, I'm not a huge Kodama guy. He's all right, but I really like Katero Suzuki. I've always liked him. I'm shocked that he hasn't surfaced in Noah with the rest of his boys yet. I thought Wrestle 1 was going to be a pit stop for Katero Suzuki before he went, you know, ended up in Noah with, uh, with everybody else that jumped from All Japan. Hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's not going to. I don't know. Um, but Kota Bushi was on this show on the 11th. He wrestled Jiro. 
wasn't much of a match. The big spot, of course, was the balcony, the the, the moonsault yeah. off the balcony. Which, and here's the thing about that: I know people rip Kota. Oh my God, you know his bad neck, his bad back. He's doing balcony flips. Look, man, again, it's his fucking body. If he wants to flip off the balcony in front of two thousand people in Yokohama on a Wrestle One show, then let him flip off the balcony. Can we let the man live his life? Okay, is he going to shorten his career? Maybe, perhaps. I don't know. I'm not his doctor. But it doesn't bother. Does it bother you when he does balcony flips? No, I don't care. No, because that guy, he, if that's what he wants, it's not like he's being forced at gunpoint to do these. You know what I mean? Like he, he's choosing to do that. And that's part of, I think that's part of what made him who he is. So sure. I don't know why, like, you want people, like, that's part of his appeal. That's, people love that shit out of Kotobushi. There's a reason people are going to these matches to see him. And a lot of that is because he does crazy shit like that. So yeah, it, it, I don't care. No, it never bothers it's me. The balcony flip in Dallas, right? So in the, on the Super Show, or maybe that wasn't a balcony, that was whatever it was. Um, what the fuck did he jump off of in Dallas? He jumped off of something, right? And that's six. Didn't he, no, didn't he jump off the, um, they had those weird buildings there, right? It was, was like, it one of those? the building was like a fake saloon. So it yeah, the like, fake saloon at, 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 at uh, what was the ranch? What was your name? Eddie Deeds Ranch. Eddie Dean Ranch, right? So it had yeah, like yeah. these fake setups where like, uh, like a high school play of like Annie Get Your Gun or something. Yeah, <laughs> or like so something they had like, like these fake like balcony thingies, like where like the hookers would be hanging out if this was an old Western brothel. You know what I mean? Like showing their wares, lifting up their skirt. You know, tempting Captain Rich to come get some action for a couple of you know for for a dollar fifty or whatever it would cost in 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 eighteen seventy. That kind of gimmick, you know. So I don't know. That was some. Uh, that was some visual I just painted there. Yeah, that's that. You got it there. I, so I, I'm sticking you in a DeLorean to the old west to uh, <laughs> Captain, Captain Rich is. And I'm Captain Rich, even though I'm I'm in the West, and, and you're paying for sex too. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know why I'm a captain. I'm in, I'm, I'm in, in the like, desert, like, but like you go in an old school brothel slash saloon, and there'd be the prostitutes right. would hang out in the little. You know, like the, the, the fucking balcony gimmick, right? You understand yeah, you, what I'm saying. Yeah, you play Liar's Dice and you shoot somebody afterwards because that's, you know. Yeah, you play cards, you know, and, and you got to watch your back. You know, it's uh, – I just watched Deadwood. Give me a break. That's uh, – it's fresh. Brothels are fresh in my mind, uh, Old West brothels. So, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, but see, he does these balcony flips. That's what he is. It's what he does. I don't care. Maybe he'll break his neck one day. Yeah, you live, you learn then if you're Koto Ibushi. I don't know, man. Maybe, are we cold when it comes to these people? People. Uh, I think uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I think we are able to compartmentalize the difference between uh, like – enjoying the the performer and then like at the same time like yes i don't want all these guys to go out there and kill themselves but at the same time like i'm watching so if that's what they want to do and that's how they want to entertain me or how they want to entertain the masses or how they want to make their money then knock yourself out like i'm not gonna you know you i think these guys know the risks it's not a thing like where you know I, I just don't think these guys go in here and go, yeah, I know this. I have no idea that this is a risk and the promotion is 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 forcing me to do it. Like, I think they have they, they know full well what they're doing and that it might hurt and that Kotobushi, you know, himself, who who knows the pain more than Kotobushi, that what pain he's in. If he deems that this is something that's worthy of doing and he still wants to do it, then who the hell am I to tell him not to do it or get mad about it? Whatever. Like, I'm a big fan of letting people have their own personal responsibilities, man. I, I really am. You know, I, it's, it's, you know, but but. And again, with this one, I don't know if you watch this balcony dive, but he let's let's remember too. He's got Jiro and about nineteen fucking young boys. Down oh, they're there. the Can't safest be- things in the world. Yeah, yeah, they're not like it's not like a new jack like Vic Grimes thing where right. they're like tossing him into a table and they <laughs> miss the table by ten feet or whatever. No, it's like the safest thing in the world. He's done the thing like twenty times. He knows exactly how to do it and do it perfectly. Yeah. All right, Lionsgate, Joe. This is all you. I know you love your Lionsgate. We got another one coming up here. 
by the time most of these people listen, because um, it's happening on the 1st, we're recording this on the 31st at night, so people may have watched this, but if not, we're still going to do kind of a, a quick little preview of it or talk about the card. Uh, it is going to stream on New Japan World, by the way, so if you either, you know, it's you're watching, you're, you're listening to this on Thursday afternoon or whatever, you can go on there on New Japan World and watch this Lionsgate Project 3. If you're not familiar with Lionsgate, it's essentially New Japan's kind of developmental, but in a lot of ways, it, 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 it bridges the gap of Noah and New Japan as well. You see a little bit of developmental guys. You also see a lot more Noah roster, you know, involvement and whatnot. And you get some interesting matches here and there. What do you think of this card? And then let's break down the card here real quick. The interesting takeaways is they're having another exhibition match with Tomoyuki Oka, who's supposed to be the next uh, enormous superstar in New Japan with all the backing from the company. And from Literally the company. enormous, by the way. Big guy, uh, heavyweight, and Katsuya Kitamura. Okay, they're going to have another exhibition. They had an exhibition on Lionsgate 1 where it was sort of an amateur wrestling, sort of just belly bumping each other and doing basic shoot, uh, you know, shoot style, like shooting on each other. Um, when I say shooting, like wrestling, like, uh, like you would see uh, not shooting as in really fighting, shooting on each other the way an MMA fighter would. Shooting for the legs is what I, is what I mean when I say that. And it was refereed by Yuji Nagata, and it was terrible and boring. But it was a, you know, your first look at, at Oka, which was the important thing. They're going to do another one. From what I understand, this is going to be more quote-unquote professional style. You might see some shoulder blocks and some hip tosses, Rich. Uh, so, I, look, my takeaway here, and not just when it comes to the heavyweights, but also with uh, some of the other um, new the, the new wave of young boys, whether it's Harai Kawato, Teruaki Kanemitsu, or these two gentlemen, New Japan is hiding all of these guys because I think uh, my theory is none of them are ready. And in the case of the heavyweights, I don't think they want to expose these guys to the public. I think we may have talked about this on the show last week or the week before. Uh, but my working theory is they don't want to expose these guys to the public who they think could be megastars and be megastars quickly when they're naked. And when I say naked, I mean very, very green. They don't want to the public to view these guys as typical young lions because I think they have gigantic hopes, for us, particularly for Oka. And I think that's why you don't see him working the openers on the tours uh, like you would a typical young lion. Same goes for Kawatu and Kanemitsu, who obviously don't have any uh, the similar upside. They're teenagers. We saw them early on. New Japan has not been booking any of these guys on the shows. I just don't think they're very good, and New Japan is hiding them. And we knew that this was going to happen. We knew that no one was going to measure up to the last class of, of young lions, which were historically great. But I think... These guys aren't even just okay. They're just not very good yet, and New Japan is struggling, uh, I think, in developing this latest class. Absolutely, yeah, and I think your point about those and kind of hiding these guys and, and hiding them for a reason I think is pretty good. I think there's – of course, there's the part you're talking about where, where with Oka and Kitamura where there's the part of, yeah, you don't want them to – you know, you're giving them these kind of kid gloves and, okay, you guys got five minutes and you got this or whatever. But I think your point about wanting them to not just be another young line and not just take falls and openers and do, you know, the crab hold things or, you know, they don't want those. And I, and I get that. You maybe don't want that. I, not for Oka yes. anyway. Not for Oka. Yeah, not for Oka. I mean, Oka is going to be a guy that I think is going to just kind of. There's the path of the, the young line is going to be way different from him. They have. I mean, people know who he is a little bit. You know, he's an Olympic, or, or he was Olympic hopeful. Of, unfortunately, <laughs> things got in the way. Uh, you can look it up on your own if you want to see kind of what got in the way of uh, Oka being in the Olympics. But he's a guy that people are kind of aware. I don't know if you necessarily need to have that same sort of young lion story with him. I wonder if you can maybe do something a little bit different to get him ready. And maybe these exhibitions and maybe this sort of 
Norris stuff is what they do and not have him follow the Young Lion path. Just because, yeah, I don't think they want him to just be a guy. They want him to kind of come when, – when he's ready, he's going to be ready and, and it's just going to go. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they, I think they want him – to look great right out of the box. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if they don't even put him on excursion either. I, I question it too. I, I, yeah. I think he's a guy they're going to – Nagata and all those guys, they're going to train him quietly. And when they deem him ready to go, I think he's going to fucking go. I think he's going to be treated differently and he might be uh, – might break the tradition and might get pushed right out of the gate. I, I, really, I really think that might be what they're doing with him because it's – don't you think it's odd the extent they're going to hide this guy? Yeah, it is pretty. It's go, pretty tough. Can't go yeah. out there and work five minute fucking openers. I mean, you know, as we've seen with Kawato and 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 and, and um, I can never pronounce the other guy's name, Kanemitsu. You don't need to be great to go out there and work a five minute opener, grunt a lot, and put each other in crab holes. I just don't think they want you to see Oka like that. But you know, who knows? We'll see. Either that, or he's really fucking terrible. And that's a huge there's, problem if he is. There's a distinct possibility of that too. If, if he's really fucking terrible, that's a big problem. So, but you know, this Hanare is that how you say it? I believe so. Yeah, I haven't heard anybody say it yet, but uh, we'll go with Hanare. But Hanare, he's a big boy, and he debuts for real. Uh, he came from New Zealand. He's one of these. Um, you probably saw him on the G1. He was in the background of a lot of the G1s. He was the guy, you know, he looked different. He was sure. a Japanese dude. So. I couldn't figure out whether he was a black dude or Hispanic dude. Turns out he's um, he's from New Zealand. He's one of uh, Bad Luck Folly's recruits. Um, so he debuts on this show against Quiet Storm in the opener. I think that uh, I know nothing about Hanari other than he looks like a big dude. I don't know what 180 centimeters translates to. I'm sure about six foot. Um, and I don't know what 104 kilograms translates to. I would guess about 220. Uh, let's run that through some. Let's see. 229 is the weight. Okay. Uh, we're Americans. We're dumb Americans. Bear with us for a moment. And then 180 centimeters. Two feet is 5'9". So he's 5'9", 227 is what I said, I think, right? Yes. Okay. Big dude. So he's big pretty boy. big. He's a heavyweight. He'll be another heavyweight. So uh, he's been wrestling since 2012. But again, that New Zealand scene is a very mysterious scene. That's where Jay White came out of. And, and you know, so this guy might be good. I'm looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to this? I'm looking- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's facing Quiet Storm, who I'm not looking forward ah, to. Ah, come on. I like the Quiet Storm. Uh, why do you like Quiet Storm? Because he's really not that bad. I don't know what your deal is with Quiet uh, Storm. He's, not, he's, a, he's a decent little worker, you know. Certainly not quiet. I don't know. I think that's what's funny about it. You know, he's, he's far from quiet. He's an ROH original, Quiet Storm. Come on. Uh, he got oh another text message. Oh, you didn't tell me what the first text message was. I can't about. read that one. Oh, was it from Ashley? Yes. Really? Yeah. I I it's not like she didn't send me a nude. I just I can't. It, I don't know. I can't. Okay. Remember. It's not like anything salacious. Uh, oh. It's just a dumb inside joke that would take up forty minutes to explain. Okay. Yeah. Please don't yeah, do that. So I don't need to do that. Uh, th- but we're going. We're things are going well with Ashley. This one is from Ashley as well. She's probably okay. mad because I didn't respond to the other one because we were talking before. Tell her you were talking to somebody in Chicago about wrestling. So No, all I got on the second one was a very cold uh, listing of her schedule for the next Oh, so, okay. So now all it's, right. all right, you no-sold my funny text, so fuck you. Here's my schedule. Come get your professional haircut. Oh. This radio bit just did not work, Rich. We totally blew this bit. Um, because well, you didn't give it, you didn't chime in with I that. I heard my this. fault. Like, and I even mentioned we were talking it. about something. You said, Ooh, I got a text message. And I said, Oh, let me, fin-, you know, I was going to finish my thought and then you were going to go in it, but you never did. So. Yeah. And then I blew her. I, we, she thinks I blew her off and now I just got no. the fucking, now I got to go, now I got to go get this haircut and I got to make it right. So, 
you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to no sell this too. I'm just going to show up and get the haircut. Um, Cause now if I answer this, I can't answer this text because if I answer this text, then she really thinks I blew off the, the, like the cutesy text. You see what I'm saying? So I think it's better now to just avoid. Yeah, you're kind of in a no-win situation. I just got to blow so. them all off. I got to blow off both texts at this point. Because then I, you know, I could always play the I fell asleep card, right? If I have to. Like when I go to get the, chair, the haircut and I get in the chair, if she brings up, oh, how come you didn't answer my text? I'm like, oh, man, I just, I, I, I conked out that night. But, uh, you know, I, so I just came in for that. You know, I could play that card. Yeah, but maybe say your dog got sick or something. You had to take care of your dog. That's always a good. That's one. bad karma, though, and I don't want the dogs to get. Sick. No, yeah, you don't want that. No, yeah. I don't do that. So anyway, uh, Hanare, Hanare, and Quiet Storm. Yeah, so that's never lie, never lie. Lying's bad. I think the other interesting thing on this card is the uh, New Japan versus Noah. They they're. Doing- but why is it throwing away on the Lionsgate show, man? I wanted that to be a big deal. Yeah, but now you're gonna watch that Lionsgate show. I- no, I'm gonna watch it for sure. I was gonna, but man, that, I wanted that to be a really big deal, that, and it, I, it's still gonna be. I think that's gonna be a big theme on the show we do next week, though, because I'm annoyed that they're not doing any of this stuff on the destruction shows. Yeah, come on, why is this just on here? I didn't even like. I was going through this card, and I, I don't know why it never connected with me. As I'm going down, I'm going down, I'm going down, and I see this massive main event. And I go, okay, you know, and it didn't click with me initially because I didn't see that it was New Japan versus Noah. So I'm looking at the names. All right, all right, it's Shabbat and the dads. And I go, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> this, could be, this could be something huge. What? No, not on Lionsgate. I think it will be that. I don't mind it here on Lionsgate. I just wish oh. they were doing it on Destruction too. Right, there you the go. The only problem I have is Kiyomiya is in this and he's obviously getting pinned. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I'm looking at the other, yeah, yeah. And you want to talk about bad hair. That boy needs a haircut. Okay. God, does he have bad hair? And he has like a unibrow. He's not, he's an unfortunate looking person. Wait, is he the, is he the unibrow guy? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's got like a, look, he looks like he's got like a, some like Pomeranian on his head or something. I don't know. It's like he's a very got a odd really bad, like puffy haircut. <laughs> it's it's terrible. Yeah. And he's got a, I don't know if it's a full on unibrow, but it's very, it's dangerously close. Like, yeah. so I th- when he gets his haircut, he should tell them to just kind of trim it up. Yeah. When bit. he gets his push, he needs to uh, change up his look, but he's, it's a pretty ugly crop of, uh, uh of young lions on both <laughs> sides right now. It's nobody's really a good looking dude. So you're right not now. saying, uh, nobody has the, uh, the Tanahashi matinee idol look in this crop. No, not really. Uh, you never know. Some of them are literal children, so maybe they'll grow into their uh, – maybe they're in their awkward phase, right? Yeah, that's true. No, yeah, they're like 18. Uh, yeah, what, what does his hair look like? I'm looking at it right now. It, I guess it's like sort of like a hamster. I, it's very hamster-like. I made a joke about his hair on Twitter, and David Finley favorited it. So it's not like it's a big secret. <laughs> so people know. That, that right, this guy so has awful hair. But, um, but yeah, he'll take the fall. It's a 10-man, right? But he gets a buzz cut, but then he keeps the bangs. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's just bad. It's just really bad hair. It's really terrible. Yeah. But uh, it's a it's a ten man. I think it's Shibata, Tenzan, Kojima, Nagata, and Nakanishi against Go Tanaguchi, who's back to being a Maybach, um, Nakajima, Kitamiya, and Kiyomiya. So Kiyomiya is getting pinned. Absolutely. But uh, look, listen, listen. All the elements are there. This could be, you know, this could have a, we could be in a fired up Shinjuku face for this one. Okay. There's a couple K Dojo guys on this show. We got Asakawa and Yoshida. Juice Robinson has been like the MVP of these shows. He's got, a, he'll be in a match here against a Yoto Yoshida of K Dojo. So Juice Robinson will pick up a win. So we'll see how he looks against a younger guy. Um, Tomo Akihama's on this show for some reason. He's facing uh, Shiro Tomoyose of Noah. 
uh, Kawato and Kanemitsu, the two New Japan Young Boys. They're each facing one of the uh, the heel Noah tag team. Uh, Ohara is facing Kawato, and Kano is facing Kanemitsu. I love those guys. And then I think the only match I'm missing is Ryusuke Taguchi against Hitoshi Kumano of Noah. Kumano, of course, is starting to get pushed a little bit, but he's not going to beat a guy of Taguchi's stature. That is your semi-main event. Uh, interesting, Hanare, Hanare's debut, New Japan versus Noah in the main event, and then uh, whatever young boys you're tracking in the middle of the mm-hmm. card there. I, I was doing a, a, a Google image search here for uh, uh, Kiyomiya's uh, hair, and I got a screenshot here from RuTube. It is Akatoshi Saito and Kiyomiya in the thumbnail. Oh, boy. That might be <laughs> the worst... <laughs> Like the worst, like posts, because you know, of course, the '80s are always going to take the cake there. Um, those are those are 90s. two bad haircuts. This might be of like the modern, like the post 2000. This might be the worst hair I've ever seen. Say it, just hold in, down in the, the mullet. Yeah, and it's not even the good. It's like we've talked about it many times. It's not even like a like you know, Doctor Death. Steve Williams had like our mullet. You know what I mean, like that sort of. But like Saito's looks like like some old woman that hangs out at a bar. That like gets the same haircut that she's gotten since like 1988, and like drinks like Bush Light or something like that. Like it's just it's really bad. It's not even a good mullet. Bush Light is that even a beer? Bush Light. Yeah, people still drink it around here. I don't know. Bush Light. Yeah, I know Bush. I didn't know there was a. Yeah, there's Bush Light. Yeah, yeah. I forget you're not a beer drinker. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, it's hideous. It's awful. It's absolutely deplorable. But you've probably seen. I mean, yeah, you got to really go to like grimy college parties or whatever. Where they're drinking like Keystone, yeah. Which is just I always had this. I even as a, like I'm a I'm a piece of crap anyway. So like, but even when I was in like college, I was like, guys, why don't we just like spend like two extra bucks and get like decent beer? It's got like more alcohol. Like we don't have to drink forty five of these to even get a buzz. Like, but no, like oh, we get like you pay eight bucks and you get forty of these. Like yeah, but there's a reason. <laughs> like, isn't it sort of a rite of passage as an illegal drinker to drink shitty beer though? It is, but. Yeah, but I feel like you once you like at a certain point, like you can do it like once or twice. But then, like, don't you kind of just want to move on? See, I don't know, I was see I'm with you because I couldn't imagine drinking like store brand cola just because. Well, that's what I mean. It'd be like, yeah, you're having a party and everybody brings like whatever, like you know, Fago or whatever, and you're like, well, just buy the fucking like you need a fucking like, Coke Zero, man. Right? Like, yeah, you're gonna buy Fago, like Diet Fago. It's like what's just It's like it's, twenty cents exactly, more. Exactly. <laughs> it's eighty nine cents instead of a dollar nineteen. I mean, right? What are you doing like, yeah. Just what? You, yeah, that's always been my thing. But you know, I'm a, I'm a weirdo. All right, let's stick with Pro Wrestling Noah because I wanted uh, one of the guys in that main event you were talking about, uh, Kitamiya. We've been banging this drum for a long time, and they finally seem like it. Finally, seems like Noah is doing a little bit with him. I know you've been kind of keeping up a little bit with Noah. What's going on with him uh, and his uh, ascent, maybe towards Segura's uh, GHC Heavyweight Title? Well, it looks like he's going to get a title shot, but it could just be sort of a bridge before they get before they move on to Nakajima. Um, who will file? Who probably get the December shot on the Big Destiny show? So, but to me, it's still progress because it's a huge bump in stature for him, even to get a title shot. So that's a good thing. There's going to be a lot of LOL Noah when he loses, but I don't think it would be right for him to win uh, in his first title shot. I don't think that's a big deal. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, for sure, but it looks like Nakajima might be the guy long term who knocks off Sugura, um, which is not the worst idea in the world. Obviously, that obviously would be a very good idea, I think. 
Um, now they shouldn't have them lose it back in a month like they did with Marafuji last year, which was really stupid and, and totally killed their business with the you know the numbers that I did and I studied all that. That was the match that officially sunk them for good when Marafuji lost the title after he beat. You remember, Rich? He beat uh, Minoru Suzuki in December, right at Destiny. Uh, uh, good show. It drew okay, um, and then a month later he lost the title right back to yeah. Suzuki Gun and lost it to Segura. And that is when their attendance nosedived in both Cork and Hall and Differ. Okay? And 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 that is when it re- that's when people said, "Oh, fuck this shit." Okay? We finally thought we, you know, had a resolution to this, and here we go again. We've got another year of this bullshit. And uh, you know, the res- the you know, the, the results in terms of attendance in both Cork and in Differ are, are are stunning. Uh, so right from that moment. So that was the moment where people threw their hands. So it looks like they're going to do it all over again, this time with Nakajima in December, and hopefully they stick with him. I think Nakajima winning the title also potentially opens up a lot of potential with New Japan guys if they keep that feud going for that long. Who knows if it'll still exist at that point. Hopefully it does. Maybe you get Nakajima at the Dome defending against, I don't know, fucking Shibata or whoever the fuck, right? That'd be kind of cool. But um, we're jumping ahead. It looks like Kitamiya will will be in there. You know, he'll he'll get, you know, Segura will beat him to set up his defense against Nakajima. What do you think of that setup if that's the way it goes? Um yeah, I like that. Is that do you then start the Nakajima does Nakajima win then? And then that's his title and then you kind of Nakajima if they do Nakajima Segura in the December Destiny show and he doesn't win, I mean, mm-hmm. what can you even fucking say? Yeah, I mean, well, the problem is, like, even if he does win, it's like, all right, like, is that a finality then? The Suzuki, like, that's what I'm waiting for. That's what, this, like, we're still, like, two years later. You know like, that circles right back to the beginning of this show. Noah, we, Noah has earned the right to be skeptical of what... <laughs> right, because I can't get excited about it. I cannot. I, I, I've i done it too many times. I got excited when, when Marifuji won that like, time of your sin. I got excited when Go won the time as well, thinking, okay, here we go. Like, all right. And it hasn't... In two years, nothing has changed in this company. There's been different guys... You know, Wrestler X has won the title away from them, but it doesn't matter because Suzuki can get to bag again. So it's hard to like really get excited about a Nakajima win, and that that's not good. <laughs> like, yeah. So if if that's the route they go, um, you know, uh, yeah. but but here's the thing, I think that the ticking time bomb deal in New Japan is Suzuki gone. So. Yeah, I guess we we never really did talk about that. That you you got them. You have that definitely being Suzuki gone. Well, I think it is because I think that every time someone was about to turn and join Suzuki gun. Minoru Suzuki's promos were always, I have a, I have a time bomb waiting. There's a time bomb that's going to go off. And then cat and then Kanemura would turn or Segura would turn. You see, he always uses yeah. that verbiage in his promos when someone's about to turn. So it, 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 it makes sense from that perspective that they would be coming back. Um, you know, so, you know, December Noah could look very different. Um, you know, but what does that mean? Do the do the Noah guys like Sugera and Kanemuru stay behind? Is it just Suzuki and like KES that come back? How does this work? And the juniors, you know what I mean? So it's like that's if they are even the bot. I think that they are. Um, but it, it makes the most logical sense for sure. Yeah, but I mean, um, it's not Vader, by the way. But. No, definitely not Vader. But um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it would be hard to get excited for Nakajima, but. You know, it's he's a guy who probably they should give a shot at some point, right? I mean, he's arguably their number two babyface behind Marafuji. Um, 
possibly number one. The, the, the research I did on Quark in attendance uh, year to date, which is a couple weeks old now because I did it about a month ago and we just never had time to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest Quark in show this year was headlined by Sagara and Nakajima on 319. 1496. The second biggest was uh, Go and Shelton. That did 1455, but that was the Misawa tribute show. So Shelton Benjamin and Go didn't draw that. Okay, people came. Misawa, a dead guy drew that. A guy that died in 2009 drew that one. But uh, the Sagara Nakajima uh, match outdrew that. Okay? And then uh, some of the other top ones, they all involve either Marafuji or Nakajima. Marafuji and Nakajima are the top draws in this company, at least in Cork and Hall. Um, Go is decidedly not a draw by the research I did. And that's probably why it what factored into them taking the title off of him. Because um, outside of the Shelton match, which again was the Masawa show, you know, Go just hasn't drawn. Um, you know, guys like Marafuji draws better, drew better than Go headlining Cork in when he was in like tag matches that didn't mean anything. Marafuji's main event still outdrew Go's like mm-hmm. title matches. So, you know, people just didn't believe in Go after they brought him in with that great storyline and then made him look like a dork. I mean, people just stopped believing in him. And traditionally, he hasn't been a great draw either. So, um, you know, the the Cork and numbers that I looked up clearly show that Nakajima and Marafuji are the top two draws. And Nakajima and Sagara had the number one total for the year at 14.9. So it's not a bad idea um, at all. To turn to Nakajima here. This is check this out though. The Great Voyage shows, okay, uh, which are their big shows that they have, you know, four or five yeah, times right. a year or whatever. Last March, Suzuki Marafuji drew sixty three hundred fans in Tokyo. Sixty three hundred fans for Noah, and that was only last year. Rich, doesn't that seem like a million years ago? I mean, yeah, last, uh, yeah, a year in Noah has felt like like an etern- like seven years because it's just nothing is different. Yeah. Then in May they went to Yokohama with the rematch, thirty five hundred fans. Mm-hmm. September in Osaka, remember that great show? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That great was show. Suzuki Segura, twenty eight hundred fans. What's the missing ingredient there? Marafuji. When they took Marafuji out of the picture and went to Segura Suzuki, it you know they did twenty eight hundred. Okay. Only six months earlier, when it was Marafuji Suzuki, they did 6,300. And then in and, and the, the December show, which of course was Marafuji beating Suzuki, that one did 3,200 fans. Okay. When you put yeah, Marafuji so. back in the picture. There's a clear pattern. Marafuji's a draw. Okay? So then this year with the Great Voyage shows, the January show in Yokohama, that's the building that Wrestle 1 just ran and drew 1,900 fans. Marafuji Segura, and that's where Marafuji lost the title. And that, to me, was when the fans lost faith. 2,600. Another uh, pretty strong number there for Yokohama. And then everything since then in both Cork and Hall and the Great Voyage shows and re- some research that Paul did on our message board in Differ, everything from that point forward has dropped like a stone. Okay? They went back to Tokyo in March and the show did 1,496 for, <laughs> for Sagara and Nakajima. Yeah, and then, and then in Osaka in, uh, in May... The Great Voyage Show did less than 2,000 fans, an enormous bomb. It did uh, 1923 for Go versus Sugera. When in Osaka the year before, Suzuki and Sugera did 2,800, which was also – and remember, the 2,800 was a disappointing number because it was coming off two shows that did enormously better. So to drop another 1,000 
for going Sugera was not good. And to, so to me, it's very obvious that the point of the drop was that January show where Sugera beat Marafuji. And I very quickly have the research that Paul did here because he did the research on the, uh, on the differ shows. And you look between uh, 2015 and 2016 when it comes to differ. Uh, 2015, 830, 917, 805, 797, and 550. 2016, 345, 354, 528, 285, and 487. It's right there, man. January was the point where everyone said, fuck this shit. How do you get it back on track? I don't think Nakajima is the worst idea when you look at some of this other evidence. I really don't think he is. It's it's either him or Marafuji. Wouldn't you rather try the fresh guy? I would try something different, yeah. Um, I mean, of course, if you're just thinking purely, well, we need to get butts and seats, we go Marafuji. But the problem is that you can maybe, and and that you're kind of mentioning that as well, that January might have been the point where people just kind of said, we're done with that story. We're done with, you know, whether it's Marafuji or not. Like, I, that's my real concern, that it doesn't matter who you put in there, that whoever that guy is, it's not overnight. Gonna, people aren't going to all of a sudden overnight now start buying tickets again. You really got to build that trust again because people are, and I think you pretty much showed it there, and I think when you when you kind of, know what people are saying about Noah, you hear the kind of the tone around Noah, you watch the shows, you kind of get this idea that people are just done with it for now. And it's like, they're, maybe they're keeping it at arm's length. Maybe they'll, they'll be glad to come back to it when, you know, the Suzuki gun thing's over, when they actually, you know, there's a clear direction. And, you know, as long as it's another direction, I think people don't really care who it is, just as far as long as it's not a Suzuki gun direction. But I, I just don't know if it's going to be an overnight guy. I do think Nakamura, or, um, Nakajima is probably the, the, the best move. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I think it's going to take more than just simply that guy. Like, I think there's going to be a huge rebuild needed to get Noah back to where they were. Cause it's just, it, it, those numbers are startling. I mean, I, that them getting 6,000 for a show seems like a decade ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's been so dreary and it's just in the doldrums and, and it sucks because when Suzuki, there was some real life when Suzuki got there and there was some real life when the Suzuki gun thing started and they had something and it was cool and it was a fun story and man, we're two years into it now or whatever. And it's just like, it's just a, and I, everybody, everybody kind of agrees that it's a grind. No, I, I, I can't, the crowds don't seem to be enjoying it either. Like that's, I, I just don't know what the exact plan is or what the, what the goal is with it. But yeah, I, I Nakajima's fine. I, if you want to go back to Mirafuji, that's fine too. But I just think it's going to take a lot of rebuilding post Suzuki gun to get them back on track. And maybe if these shows are supplemented by new Japan, it'll help too. Yeah. And that's, you're, you're seeing that now and we're not, we, you know, we maybe, we, I guess we're, we can talk about it yeah, here we a have little Okada bit. Um, working the yeah. show, but that's to set up, that's to help set up the Okada, Marafuji match at King of Pro Wrestling. But they might become addicted to that. If it's if yeah, it does pretty well, they might go, hey, you know, uh, yeah. would you mind letting us borrow him again? Like, you know, it might become a thing that that if it if it's a draw and if it does pop a number, I doubt Noah's gonna you know, Noah's gonna wanna say, Hey, can we can we borrow Tanahashi again for a night or like that's gonna be a thing they're gonna get addicted to. I'm sure they will because they're gonna see a pop in the number. I'm almost positive of it. When Marafuji and Nakajima left for the G one, the first Cork and show uh, without them for Noah did 647 fans. <laughs> 647 fans. Okay. And then they barely broke a thousand for the Ghost Segura title switch where Segura won the title back. Barely broke a thousand. That was also during G1. Not good. It shows that Marafuji and Nakajima are draws for that company. It really does. And uh, that Sugera Go title change, by the way, on 730, not a bad show. Not a bad little show there. 
they had uh th- that that was the the junior uh tag league final um uh, uh the final night of that so you mm-hmm. had two you had a bunch of very good junior th- yeah, they were yeah. all a bu- uh, really fun and the title switch say what you want about go shiozaki not being a draw and and and, and this and that he took a legitimate beating from Sugera in that match in the final five to ten minutes where Sugera just beat the living shit out of him, legit, hard slaps, uh, super stiff stuff. The crowd was into it, and I give Go Shiozaki a lot of credit uh, because he took a legitimate hard beating in that match. It wasn't a bad match. The Suzuki Gun guys only ran in you know, at one point. It wasn't all that bad, and uh, he just took a super beating in that match for the title switch. The problem is that they don't care about Sugera anymore. You know, now that he's part of it, that's the problem. But um, I, I, I'm all in if they go back, if they go with Nakajima in December, though, provided mm-hmm. I just got a text, provided they give him uh, How's it going? How's a, that a one? fair shot and don't take the title off him in a month. So, what does this one say? That's uh, not from her. Oh. What's this one's name? It's a DM. Ooh. We got a scoop, Rich. Is it a scoop? I don't, I don't know. You can look. I don't really. Oh, is it a scoop for? Oh, I got the scoop too. Right, yeah, I think here. it's our account. I don't think it's my own. This is this is great radio that we can discuss. You know, things that we're getting that we may or may. <laughs> Let's see here. No, I don't listen to that. Okay, well, you're not impressed with that scoop. No, I no, not really. If people only knew <laughs> <laughs> the amount of shit that like the scoops that we get, like. <sighs> We talk. Some people are good, and some people are just always wrong. And it's like, all right, like you know, we get like one. We talk about like one percent of this of the scoops. You're not impressed with that right. scoop. Um, eh, eh, I think that scoop's fine. gonna be right. Um, yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily a, a scoop or just an educated guess. So, okay. The language is kind of weird about it. I don't know that. To me, it kind of seems like an educated. It can't be a scoop, and then you can also be like, "Oh, who knows?" <laughs> like you can't say like you know, like you can't say, "Hey, I, I'm I, this is this," and then go, ah, but, "But who knows? Maybe." Like no, you can't. No, you gotta. It's gotta be one or the other, right? You gotta report it. If it's a report and it's a sc- you gotta scoop. You boom. Wow. Here's what's happening. Here's what I know. You can't have the qualifier of ah. Well, we'll see. I'm not reporting that. It's a spoiler. <laughs> no, it's a potential spoiler. Yeah, but you know you can't you can't you can't you know have a scoop and then say oh, who knows maybe. You're right. right. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you can't say that. No, it can't be that. So that's why I go with that. So anyway, uh, that is our bounce around Japan. I don't know, Joe. Any other uh, Japan thoughts before we get out of here for the day? Yeah, somehow we're up against it again. I don't know how that happened. We thought this was going to be short. Do you remember my text uh, about three hours ago where I said, "Hey, I, I see about us going about two hours on this show." Yeah. And you went, all right, yeah, that sounds good. So anyway, uh, plenty of good stuff going on right now at VoiceWrestling.com. I do have to let you guys know we have a CMLL 83rd anniversary preview from the Cubs fan. A great, uh, huge match there. We got Dragon Lee in the main event. Uh, you know, Lemascara, uh, mask versus mask match, of course. You got a really good story by Andrew Rich looking at Yoshihashi's uh, kind of ascent this year and, and, and just what he's been able to do. Uh, of course, Lionsgate Project. We have Jojo Remy, who's kind of our boots-on-the-ground guy in Japan. He's been writing uh, really cool live reactions because he lives in Japan. He's a bastard that can actually go to these shows, and I'm so very jealous of him. Did he do, uh, did he do the Lionsgate preview yet? He did do the Lionsgate preview, yes. Is it better than my awesome Lionsgate preview? Uh, of course it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm very proud of my Lionsgate preview. No, you know those got over. Both good. Those got over. They, they did. They did. No, they're both good for their own reasons. How about that? You sound like a parent who doesn't want to admit that they have a favorite <laughs> child, because every parent has a favorite child. No, I think I think there's different flow to those. Both of them. Yeah. But he 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 clearly did it in somewhat of your vein as well. Oh, he stole. I think you inspired the way he, he approached gimmick? it. 
Um, yeah, I, I, well, I don't know. Is it a, is it a gimmick to, I mean, was here's a gimmick. I don't know. I did it. Listen, I, if he stole my flavor, I might have to have a little chat with this. Well, you, you go read it and you, you have a chat with Mr. Joder. As you can uh, see, I haven't read anything on the site. So. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. It's all news to you as well, but no, plenty of good stuff going on right now uh, on the website. Just previews of all the big stuff. We've gotten a lot of really good uh, columns as well. Uh, Brendan Patrick has been doing some good stuff. He did uh, one on, on Takashita a few weeks ago, one on uh, Kamatami, who uh, we were going to talk about, kind of ran out of time here. There's just a bunch of really good stuff uh, going on, on the website. Reviews of all the DDT shows. We'll have a, D- a review of D- uh, DDT Peter Pan up. Uh, just really good stuff on the website right now going on, so definitely check that out. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com, also VoiceWrestling.com slash forums to Join our uh, awesome forums, get into those discussions there. And of course, uh, our sponsor, Lyft, lyft.com slash bonus, L Y F T dot com slash bonus. You select the show Voices of Wrestling, you sign up to drive for Lyft, you do it whenever you want, you check into the app, you start driving around, drop people off, make up to $35 an hour, and better yet, you sign up with lyft.com slash bonus, you select Voices of Wrestling, you get $500 exclusive for our listeners. $500 once you start driving with them. It's not a gimmick either. You get 500 bucks. You can't beat that. So, Joe, uh, any final thoughts before we depart? Yeah, let's see Don Vito and the geek break down uh, Peter Pan the way we just did. Yeah, exactly. Or talk uh, talk Wrestle One. I mean, we did we did a lot of spray to a lot of fields here. So see, I, I hope people enjoy stone. this. Jerks. <laughs> Pick it. I'm gonna send it to them right now and timestamp our dude. Yeah, there you go. Why don't you talk about that? But no, yeah, definitely uh, good stuff. Yeah, and uh, check out VoiceWrestling.com. Also VoiceWrestling.com for Joe Lanza. I am Rich Krejci, and we'll see you next time on the Voices of Wrestling podcast. Take care. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.